Here we are with episode eight of the Hempletic Podcast. Ah, yeah, episode eight. Episode eight, yes. Th- thank you for joining me for it. This is Aaron Cook. Um, I always like to start off telling people how, how I come across people in, in my networking because everybody knows I talk incessantly. Um, so Aaron, if you be patient for a minute. So I met Aaron, uh, him and I have had a total of about five minutes worth of conversations uh, at uh, Albany, New York is where I met him just a couple weeks ago. Uh, at a call, There was a fish shows there for two nights. Uh, it's kind of their home venue. Um, so those are very intimate shows usually for those of you who like fish like myself. Uh, and Aaron was there, so we chatted for a couple minutes. I told him about my YouTube channel. He told me how he is a, a big part of Whiteface Mountain, which I actually have etched into my body in two places and two tattoos. And I said, you are going to be on my next podcast, Aaron. So here we are. Everybody, let's welcome Aaron Cook from Whiteface Mountain to our podcast this week. Well, thanks for having me. Aaron, I cannot tell you how excited I am like a little kid right now. To me, this is gonna this is my like my episode. This is all about like my personal like being a kid. Yeah. I mean, Whiteface makes you feel like a kid. Like it makes me feel like a kid because I was there when I was a kid. So it just brings me back to that nostalgic feeling, which is what I love about it so much. There's so much history. There's I like last night I um I I was out a little late last night. Halloween weekend. And yeah. um, I, so I got home like 3, 3.30 in the morning. I, I have a full page of notes that I want to talk about Whiteface Mountain. That's how crazy I am. Like Whiteface, oh, let, let, let's, there's a couple of things that we'll list out real quick for people, Aaron, about Whiteface Mountain and why I yeah. love it so much. Uh, just a couple statistics. So the vertical at Whiteface Mountain is 3,430 feet. Yes. It is the most in the East Coast. Yeah. It is by far. Uh, do you know where it is? Stands. I meant to look this up, Aaron. Maybe you know where it stands in the in the top of the Forty Sixers uh, total yeah, it's elevation. Number, so, so I, I I'm a tour guide on Whiteface. That's my day job during the summer. So Whiteface is four thousand eight hundred sixty-seven feet above sea level. It is the steepest vertical this side of the Mississippi. It is number five in the high peaks. It is also the only one that has a road that will go up to the very top with a castle at the very top uh, built by Franklin Roosevelt when he was uh, trying to help fight depression. Um, it has held two ski mountains on it. Uh, not only Whiteface, but before Whiteface, there was uh, what is known as Marble Mountain. Uh, Marble Mountain actually had the longest T-bar in the world. Uh, it was over a thousand foot T-bar. Um, you can still walk around there and you can still see the remnants of that if you ever go hiking around there, uh, which is really neat uh, stuff. Uh, if you like the history of uh, the sport, but Whiteface started 1958. Uh, it was uh, the same year the chairlift was invented um, and, uh, of course, held the 1980 Alpine Games. Of course, 32 games did not have any skiing events. They were added, I believe, the, the year after. Uh, they only had cross-country skiing and ski jumping in the 32 games. Um, but that's uh, some Olympic history and some, uh, some history uh, I, I, I share a lot. I, I didn't even realize that you did that as well. And, and we're definitely going to touch base on that as well. Like uh, when you live in the Adirondacks, um, it is a beautiful living. You It is uh, hard living sometimes, but you have to work multiple jobs really to make a living up there to enjoy all the things you want to. And, and Whiteface, so just so everybody knows from my perspective why I love Whiteface and why I have it etched in my skin in two places is because I've done probably almost on Whiteface as much as Aaron has and he's lived up there. So I like to tell people I've driven up Memorial Highway 
I've been to the top of the castle. I've carried my daughter up Whiteface from, from the top of the gondola to the top. I've hiked Whiteface from both the front and the backside. I've hiked it from the reservoir. Um, my son has um, not done Whiteface yet because he wants to make that his last of his 46ers. But I've also snowboarded on it, skied on it, mountain biked on it, frisbee golfed on it. Um, I, I think that's everything. I think I've cut. There's the only thing I tell people I haven't done on it is I haven't had sex in a gondola on it. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, a club, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how much I love that mountain. Like, is there anything, Aaron, that you guys off? Oh, and I've mountain biked on it, by the way, also as well. So of course. is there yeah. any other yeah, things that mountain. you guys offer at Wayface other than what I've just listed that um, I haven't done? They, they, uh, they they had the airbag you could have jumped into for a while. That was a, a big hit for a few years, um, but they got rid of that slowly uh, throughout the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So it's a pain in the butt to move. I tell you, it takes about uh, 15 grown men to move that thing around. So uh, when we have to move that thing, it's a, it's a show, uh, but uh, we're slowly getting away from that, even though it's a help, great tool to help learn uh, for kids. Uh, but they have that available in the summer and winter. You can jump off a scissor lift into it, or you could. I don't know if you still can. I'm, I, I'm not sure how that all worked out this summer. But, yeah, uh, I did see that yeah. when I was up there because I, I do go up there all four seasons. I've probably been to uh, Lake Placid and Whiteface in my life. Uh, I'm 46 years old. I've probably been to yep. Lake Placid and Whiteface at least 40 times minimum maybe more. Oh yeah. So that's my background knowing up there. So, so I want to dig right in with Aaron here. So we have really exciting news. So Aaron, what is your title at Whiteface currently? So right now, well, uh, I'm currently reapplying. I, I've been the park manager for the last two years. I hope to be the park manager again this year, as long as everything works out, that should work out. I, I, uh, kind of more creator idea guy in the day guy. I, I look after all the, the, the stuff that goes on during the day, moving, moving of things and setting up of things. And, and, uh, and usually we bounce off ideas with our groomers, uh, Eric Roscoe. I got to give a shout out to uh, my best park groomer, Eric Roscoe. Um, and um, yeah, uh, we j- I just kind of try to make it fun for the kids. We got a big program, the NYSEF program, which is a ski education program uh, we have for kids to come learn freestyle. Um, also, they do alpine events as well and such at Whiteface. But um, we're looking. A little bit more of a, a, a race mountain. We have we have some of, of course, uh, I don't know if you remember Andrew Weibrecht. He took uh, silver in Sochi, uh, bronze in Vancouver. But after he won in Sochi, uh, he said, uh, if you can ski Whiteface Mountain, you can ski anywhere in the world. Uh, of course, that very popular saying, um, Spence Hurt said before. Billy the Kid actually originally said that about Whiteface when he skied it back, I believe, in the 60s or 70s, whenever that was. Um, but, um, yeah, Andrew Weibrecht, uh he's a, a big part of the racing world here. But uh, we're trying to get a little bit bigger in the freestyle world. We've had uh, some some big events that come through. We got uh, – uh, the the NCAA championships where we have um, we've been hosting them for the last six years I think uh, we got a bid to do that again with a with a slope style event a, a rail rail jam event as well as a snow cross or ski across event as well so we we're very big in the we're trying to get bigger in the in the freestyle world there um, 
Uh, but like I said, it's mostly a racing mountain. So we've, we've, we've uh, groomed some really good racers and we actually have a couple freestyles we have brought up, but uh, they have left because um, um, of, of course getting old, but uh, Brian Gardner is a, is a little white face boy that's uh, doing very good. He's actually uh, just about to drop a, I don't know if you're aware of that game slush. Um, no, I that, heard that's a that. really pop. So there's a really cool uh, event. It's called slush. It's like, it's like playing uh, when you play basketball, like horse. Um, so you do a trick um, uh, on, on a, on a rail and the person imitates it. And if he doesn't do it, he gets a letter. So uh, they have the slush game. So oh, that um, is pretty they've been cool. doing that. Yeah, I like that. Really I mean, you can apply to... that in so many different ways, skiing with buddies and stuff. Now my mind is oh, racing yeah, to- already. To- yeah, I know. Totally. So you could like jump, be like, oh, you got to do a 180 off this rock or whatever it may be. Um, um, and, and then you, if you don't do it, then you get the letter. And, and, you know, you can I'm playing that this little, winter. I'm psyched. Uh, yeah, totally. Totally. Um, yeah, I, I, skiing in, in whiteface is, is, is really great. And I, I love being able to create, of course, um, when I was young, I skied at whiteface. And when I was a, Got a little bit older. I I started to meander, of course, like most most uh, youth, uh, trying to trying to uh, move out west and do the whole pro ski thing. And and um, then I brought all that knowledge of of, uh, of the places I've been, tried out for the X Games and all that stuff, and and uh, try to bring all that what I've seen out there and apply it back here if if anyone will listen to me in in the in the in the park department uh which was a little bit rough at first because who was i i was this kid who you know but anyway over, over the years they've, they've grown to enjoy me and so so where did you gain your experience when you said when you uh, no hold on let, let's start back so i, I want to go back yeah, i love I giving people backstories up. no 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 you're awesome yeah. so so the aaron has the same passion about white face as i do like it is quite obvious very quickly because his mind like i have so many things i want to talk about like and he's he keeps hitting on some so aaron let's first of all your background yeah. where were you brought up like wh- where were you like first put skis on hold where you give us a little bit of uh context. oh yeah okay. yeah i'd love to um so uh back in i guess it was 1989 i was five years old uh my uncle i had an uncle bruce um who put um some skis on my feet i lived on this little road called bear town road which is this little road in west Jersey, new york uh which most people probably never even heard of uh, it's a little dead end road. It's kind of hilly, windy, and got a couple farms on it. And uh, my uncle put some skis on my feet. We have a little hill in our backyard, and I figured out how to ski uh, right there. And then uh, the next day, he took me to this little place uh, called Beartown Ski Center. Now, Beartown Ski Center is about the same age as Whiteface in 1959. Uh, it was built uh, by the Riel family, um, which is a family that's still on the road today. Uh, they have a they built a Palma lift and a T-bar uh, lift that goes up. Now, this is a place that's run mostly by volunteers. Um, they don't make, I don't think, make any money, but they, they allow skiing for, for the kids. And it's, it's a great place. I spent as much time as I could from age five to about 15, 16. Once I learned how to drive, I kind of went to Whiteface a little bit more. But I definitely, uh, Bear, Beartown Ski Center is where I found my passion for skiing um and uh it's it's a great little place of course we always used to get i have lots of stories of uh us hoodlums getting in trouble for building little jumps and stuff so i've been i've been uh building jumps 
gosh, since I was probably like seven, 10 years old. And uh, I used to get kicked off on the mountain for building them. Now they pay me to do it, which I always find irony. And um, because uh, I get to have a couple trails where I get to build whatever I want. And well, to an extent, uh, of course, but uh, kind of set up whatever I'd love. And uh, then when I was 16, I went to Whiteface a lot. There was a, a group we used to ski with. I'd love to mention these guys. Uh, please do, we, please we do. Skied with hear a bunch about of, all of it. Uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of guys uh, we all used to ski with. We were a bunch of freestyle young, young guys. Uh, this was late 90s, early 2000s, I guess. And um, there was uh, a group of us called the Rat Pack. Now, the Rat Pack um, consisted – I was a little bit a later addition to the Rat Pack, uh, as uh, uh, most of them were, were local guys that were – Parents were on ski patrol, but we had folks like uh, Aaron Kellett, Brian Donahue, Jeremiah Murphy, Jay Michael Felder is probably the most famous Rat Pack member. Um, uh, we also had uh, uh, Brooke and, uh, and of course, the girls, Lindsay Kellett, uh, Elizabeth Donahue. Uh, we had uh, the Mussins, Everett Musson and Allegra, her, her brother and sister, and, and countless, count, countless. I'm probably forgetting a bunch of names. I'm sorry if I forgot you, Rat Pack people. I love you guys. Uh, but um, we, we, uh, we did it all now. Jay Michael Felder is the one worth mentioning. Uh, he he was the first person I saw do a switch backflip at the mountain. Of course, wow. Um, um, I got to see the inception of park kind of uh, run by uh, at the mountain when I was 15, 16 years old. That's when it first appeared in, in, in the world. So it's kind of neat that I've got to grow up with uh, uh, seeing the whole kind of evolution of this park thing. And, uh, of course, being bar- variable, impressionable at my youth. Uh, I'm, and I'm now able to, to do that. But um, So in that so time, Michael, on, let, me, let me add this too, because in that time, that's when I was starting to go up to Whiteface as well. And if I okay. if I'm not mistaken, the early park and jumps at Whiteface, there was pretty much like three or four takeoffs on Parkway in that time yes, period, they, right? Am I right? Yes, like, they, dude, they, this is how yeah, well I remember had, it, man. Like this, yeah. the, the Brookside didn't even have anything yet. Uh, you know, no. none of those. So, uh, it, right? Am I right? It was just Parkway, a couple takeoffs. Well, well we had. Um, well, the first one was actually uh, Mike Kirsch was the very first park director. He's now head of NYSAF and stuff. Um, very nice guy. Um, and uh, me and uh, he originally, the first, very first, first, first park was actually over where bear and fox and we call it where the animals are, where, where that of little- Of course, now uh, where you have the border cross chair. course over that way. Yeah, right where we have the border cross. That was where we first uh, set up uh, a park, I guess, with uh, a couple little jumps and maybe a rail, I, th- I believe. Um, and uh, then it moved- yeah, like you said, it was on Parkway for a, a little while, um, and then it got, um, I think it got a little bit dangerous over there, so I'm not sure exactly. Well, they, it got icy over there, so I was just learning to, so this is when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, um, and I really wanted yeah. to learn how to jump, and, and I want to get into this further with you, but I remember on Parkway, this is my experience, um, I would go hit that takeoff, and the landing would be so hard um, that I actually had shin splints like from hitting the oh, way I was yeah. hitting. I mean, you it, like yeah. I, so I'm pretty good in the air. I have good body control, but you know the big ones. It is tough. I want to talk about speed eventually here too. But so that's keep going yes. with the progression. So from Parkway, I definitely agree with you saying it may be a little bit too dangerous over there. Conditions. Yeah, it, it was. It was just because uh, of, of conditions and, and and stuff like that. So they did eventually move it over. Um, I believe to Brookside, and and Brookside was was. Uh, 
when they moved that there, this is probably 2000, 2001 series season. I, I have some actually footage of, of, of from that old park. Um, we used to always record ourselves, you know, try to make it a, the big video of the year, you know, but it's yeah, a lot different. And there was probably nothing the, big then. All, it was all smaller. It was, yeah. it was much smaller. Yeah, everything was smaller. And of course it was, it was much harder to uh, get, if you wanted to make a movie uh, or an edit uh, like, the, like they do today, today you can just use your phone and, and make it an edit, make you look whatever but back then we had to you know record it um and then uh, i even remember uh my buddies splicing uh film and hoping that they didn't cut out that trick uh uh-huh. that, that that they got and, and yeah or it it's like, in the corner of the panel of it and they're trying to zoom to that corner of the panel yeah i have a youtube <laughs> channel and trust me i've been there like trying oh, to catch yes. the corner of something you get and you're like cut, yeah oh. exactly it's not even crispy so it, it, but you want to get the trick yeah, so it's definitely um, that 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 has evolved. Everything has evolved in the in the ski world since I was a kid. I like to try to remember like it was when we were a kid, uh, a lot of times because it's much much more simpler. And that's actually why I ski is because uh, it gives me that freedom and that feeling of uh, of my youth, and and I actually forget about everything that's going on in my world and have to concentrate on what's right in front of me. Uh, so I think. That's kind of like complete letting go, freedom, um, almost, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how what I'm trying to no, say. No, you're good. You're good. No, so I want to go to the Rat Pack a little bit. I want to talk a little more about the Rat Pack because I'm thinking at oh, some yes, point yes. I saw you guys because basically what I did was from, from the late 90s on, I was at Whiteface at least once a year, if not twice a year. Because uh, that was my go-to. Yeah. So Gordon Whiteface has been my go-to. Uh, my son and I, every year for President's Day week, um, our routine was, he's 19 now, he's a sophomore at UB, but our routine was every year from the time he was five years old, uh, we spent President's Day week skiing someplace. So we, That's- Gordon Whiteface was our staples. Like I would ask him, you know, month, month and a half ahead, Spencer, where do you want to hit? We would follow snow a little bit. So if Vermont had a little better snow than Whiteface and Gore, we would go there. And if Whiteface and Gore had better snow, we'd go there. But so just so you know, our background for the two of us, uh, we've been to like Okemo, Stratton, uh, Mount Snow. Um, I've been to Smuggler's Notch, Jay Peak. Um, so he, him and I, so that's f- what, five years old to 19. So that's 14 straight years of him and I at least skiing yeah. together 10 to 15 days a year. Um, and that's we believe awesome. Whiteface and Gore are two. His favorite mountain is Gore by far, but mine is Whiteface because top oh, yeah. to bottom, there is not any better runs top to no, bottom I mean, you go from peak to bottom it's a long run and you guys have so much diversity at the bottom of the mountain um so i want to know how the rat pack so my so my, my son and i believe would be really we would want to ski with you guys like it's not that we like oh, to yeah. take off big jumps and everything we like to do every run at every mountain when we go we like to see yes. the whole mountain and then figure out where the good conditions are and then gravitate there and i imagine yes. that's how the rat pack kind of hit white face because there's oh, not a lot definitely. of glades at white face and there's not a lot of off piste and the slides you can get over there when they're open so i'd love to hear how you guys tackle the mountain regularly um well i would uh, uh have to say there are a, a lot of glades uh, at whiteface but this thing is um it's very thick forest and uh i am not going to tell you where the goods are but we have some uh some uh rebellious folk that will will uh, open up some uh, uh, trees after some very thick entrances to try to trick the people. But I'm not going to tell anybody where my secret stash is. Uh, because I'm going to come ski rules. with you this winter, Aaron. So I'm going <laughs> to do some um, private but, skiing uh, we, with you, brother. We do have, yeah, we 
we have some, uh, um, I mean, uh, we have some amazing, amazing terrain. Um, a lot of people, uh, they, they think of whiteface and they think, I mean, a lot of, you know, they, they tease it back in, I think it was the eighties or something. Someone called it ice face or something. So we're trying to get away from all that, uh, kind of negative connotation towards whiteface. We call it variable. Um, just, just so you know, um, it is, uh, it's, it's got, I mean, you can, you go up the gondola, uh, it's, it's great. You get to ski down Excelsior with your buddies, having a fun time, feeling, going, making big turns and, and having fun, little side hits everywhere. Then you can hit the park. Um, and then, uh, there's some pretty good trees right by the park, but, uh, um, you can hit that, those up as well. There's what's great is, uh, uh, skiing that I don't know if you've done this, but you've been on the mountain bike trails. A lot of those get skied in the, in the, in the winter as well. And I was curious um, about that. So I'm a, I'm that guy that uh, I like to follow the rules back when I first was skiing yeah. in, in my twenties, I was a little bit like old oh, ropes, but now I'm very respectful of the ropes because I respect the fact that ski patrol and the oh, mountain okay. personnel no. understand exactly where we should be and where we shouldn't be. So, so my whole right. thing is, um, I yeah, definitely. Um, I love the the tenth, the, what is it, the tenth division glades up there. Tenth mountain, uh, yeah, yeah tenth mountain gla- yeah. glades. Those are a little steeper off off the top. And he's talking about Excelsior when he mentions that, folks. So Whiteface has eighty six trails, uh, twenty two yes. miles. Uh, it's a very diverse mountain, and I want to reference Iceface because I feel like I'm a good person to reference this because um, I'm not, you know, Whiteface. I don't work for there, but. Um, uh, the reference for ice, fa- ice face is unfair completely. By far, yes. when conditions are good, there is not another. There's not another mountain no. more fun, more diverse, and just absolutely tests you as a human being than Whiteface Mountain. Um, I would say yeah. that I I would not had ten years ago. I wouldn't have recommended um, families to go there necessarily, only because um, it really when you go up top, it, it, it's really more expert. But now it's different. So they the state has put a lot yes. of money into Whiteface. They've added the Wilmington Trail. They've added um, a ton of lodging improvements. They've put millions of dollars up there. And now I would recommend families to go up there all day because not only do you have Whiteface, no. you have the Olympic rink. You can ice skate at night. You have the bobsled track there. You have so much diversity in Lake Placid and Whiteface. Like I oh, could yeah. I could like go all day with this, Aaron. Um, yes. But one of the questions I do have is the blue-black – So. Uh, um, it, it's not ice face. Everybody go there. Like even if conditions it's not, are hard, not, it's not. It's no, really even not. Even if you it's, go there, conditions are hard. Aaron, tell them how much better of a skier you are by going to Whiteface. Yeah, even when conditions I mean, are great. What it does is it it, it makes you a, a, a really good skier. So so when uh, just this is kind of an odd. Ex- I don't know if it's an odd example, but when I first moved out west, um, I would be I'd be like, this is great. There's a lot. A lot of snow. I, I, I skied at Heavenly a lot. Um, uh, Sierra, Tahoe, um, Squaw, all, all those places out in Tahoe. But um, when I skied there with my buddies, they 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 were impressed at how fast I could could actually ski because Whiteface is very very steep. A lot of people don't realize like you can go really fast at Whiteface, and for the most part, no one's going to bother you as long as you're in control. If you're out of control, you might get a little bit of hassle. Uh, but uh, have you ever you clocked yourself? Very, have you ever been clocked on the mountain? No, I ne- I've never clocked myself. Um, I, I know there's people that are are all about that, but uh, I can tell you, uh, Victoria, I've I've probably gone 88 miles back to the future. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, I know, so I know for a fact. Um, I, I've 
clocked myself a couple times on that mountain. I haven't done it from the peak because it's so steep up there that I, I, I really oh, yeah. feel like I, you know, I don't like to be that crazy. But in that mid-sections, I've clocked myself at 55, 60 miles an hour on one Yeah, you, you, you got to go fast for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and talking about speed, getting back to the 55 miles, I've had to hit jumps where you had to go that fast. And very, oh, I can't wait till we get to that. Yeah, we're going to get to that soon. <laughs> but go ahead with your uh, topic. Please. No, no, no. Um, I'm just saying that uh, skiing at Whiteface, I mean, not only so then on the days that are um, a little bit variable, you can go really fast with your friends and, and really, really Whiteface has many different faces. It has many different um, conditions. And I am one of those guys. I enjoy all of them. I don't I sometimes think some of the best skiing I've had at Whiteface. And this is going to sound weird, but it's also been in the rain. You know, I can still find fun uh, being rained on, skiing down a mountain. Uh, as long as I can get back in the gondola. Now, chairlift, that might be a little bit uh, a, a wet day for me. But uh, as long as I can get a little relief, uh, skiing in the rain is pretty fun because that softens everything up. You can get an edge and better. And I like that kind of stuff. But uh, Whiteface, uh, there's a lot. Um, there's also, we didn't even, we haven't even touched about getting into the slides yet. Of course. I know. That's I, yeah, be- exactly. I, I mean, there's so um, much, man. I mean, there's so much. And, and once, once the slides open up, that's a, that's the whole new world. I mean, that is, I want to say the slides is probably some of the best terrain I've, I've skied in, um, in the country. Uh, I've skied, you know, Huckleberry Canyon. I've skied, um, which is out in Sierra. I've, I've skied, a. I skied Highway 50, <laughs> um, which is pretty wild as well, which uh, you can ski from Highway 50 down to Christmas Valley in South Lake Tahoe is what I'm, I'm, I'm referencing Yeah, yeah, there. please. But, uh, thank you for, for doing that. So I, I never heard of that. So it's actually a road that you can ski down? Is that well, Yeah, well, 50? you're not like, really so – you're not oh. technically uh, – well, you can. There's safer spots. It's it's definitely frowned upon because there's a – you don't want to – any avalanches because there's people's uh, houses so we were uh we were kind of um uh learn uh i'm not what's the word uh, aware of that situation uh going into that so we, we we timed it right but uh it's it's pretty fun you park your buddy parks your car at the top of the the road there it's the it's kind of windy road to get out to sarah tahoe or sacramento on highway 50 uh and then you ski down that and it's pretty steep gnarly drain which is pretty fun you can there's some pretty good cliff drops if you like that kind of stuff and then you uh your buddy meets you meets you in christmas valley on this uh, back road and you get up, do it again, or, or go home for the day. Usually, we go home for the day. That was the last last little run of the day uh, when we did that. Oh man! Um, you know, I'm actually it, going to Vegas next week, and uh-huh. now you're making me want to like do a full day drive just to go up there to do that. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I probably don't have any snow there yet. No, but, uh, I know. Yeah, I, it's just definitely the motivation. Worth it. Like, I wish. Like, yeah. yeah. Of course. Oh, I love it. Thank you for telling me about that. Cause I do, there's a, that's what I want to do with my life right now with as much different skiing as I've done is I want to do little, like I want to, I want to go to Tuckerman's ravine as well. Um, but one of the things I've never done is a slide. So I don't want to get off a white face on too many tangents. Can we talk about yes. the slides? Oh, sorry, so, sorry. No, you're so good. Wait, 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 wait. I want to tell people I have never been on the slides. I've been to white face many, oh. many times. Never. This is how hard the slides are folks. It's, it's not like they're open all the time. It's usually late season. It has to be perfect conditions. Cause Aaron's going to tell you why. Um, but I, 
yeah. luckily recently, um, ski company here is our Western New York is our big, um, they're, they pretty much are the monopoly on ski, ski gear here. They have all the sales, they're phenomenal sales staff. I love them. They're good friends of mine. Um, Lauren Garfield, though, I met her at the ski company sale, which is your marketing yes. manager. Um, yeah, I know Lauren very well. Yeah. So she's awesome. And she's actually agreed to help me with my YouTube channel and tell me she's going to let me know when the slides are looking as a possibility to be open. So anybody who's following my YouTube channel this winter, I promise I will have footage of the slides at some point this winter. Yes. Um, but Aaron, let's talk about the slides. Like I know you have a lot more experience than me. Why is it that the slides are not open very often? The slides are, are very steep terrain. They're obviously landslides. Um, the, it, it, if you look at it during the summer, it's all exposed granite. Um, that's actually how Whiteface got its name. Uh, when the settlers came in, they were looking at the the mountain from the uh, ski area, and they had all the the slides right there. And, and they're very ex- they when they're first exposed, they're very white. So the, the settlers were like, oh, that's Whiteface. So then, uh, 1958, they built the chairlift, and and uh, eventually we got up into the slides. And the slides don't have any snow making on them, so we rely on 100% natural snow. Uh, we need good conditions which doesn't don't um usually usually by late february march we hope to have them open um sometimes a little bit earlier um and that's why and and just as far as like mother nature goes the reason why that is is because on these rock faces what happens is when the snow starts to come on and then you have sun and cold and sun and cold it ends up having these big ice like uh yellow yeah slabs of ice on the rock right if you could describe that yeah uh which yeah i mean it's you're going to see, uh, I mean, s- snow will stick to almost anything. Um, uh, but of course, you know, with, with the different, um, uh, there's rivers, there, there's, there, there's, a, there's waterfalls. There, there's a whole lot of stuff that's, that's in the slides that if you look at it during the summer, you might be second guessing yourself if, if you want to do this in the winter, um, which I have not done. So I always ski the I will always ski the slides. I think I first got in them when I was 15, 16 years old. Um, I was, uh, always went to slide number three. That was, that was the one I always really kind of enjoyed. Um, but lately I've been kind of hanging out in slide number five, which is, which is really fun. I have some pictures up from uh, when me and my friend Brian did that. Wait a minute, uh, slide five. Wait a minute. Listen, I did some research on the slides last night and they don't even list slide five as one that you can do. So slide three is, um, is uh, short, short with heavy trees in it. Is that right? That's the description. Yeah, there's, yeah, they got, uh, they got heavy trees. Uh, there's nice little, uh, I'm one of those guys. I like to jump off things. I'm like a, a kid that used to jump on his bed too much, um, <laughs> probably. So, so I, I love jumping off things. So I, I, I uh, always look for little rocks or, or little anything to to catch some air underneath my feet. And uh, slide three had a lot of that. And then uh, a couple years ago, I, I went out with some really good friends of mine: Joey B, uh, uh, John Haynes, uh, Mike Philibom, um uh, all, all very good snowboarders. I've been hanging out a lot. Ski. I've been riding a lot with snowboarders lately, opposed to skiers, which mm-hmm. is fine. Uh, but uh, these are uh, we had a, a time of our lives in slide number five a few years ago, and uh, 
So can and you describe a, slide five to me then? Because, you know, I, like I so said, I've done some five, research and I, I've seen the research on slide one and two B, which is a newer one, which they're calling Irene yeah. and then three and four. Um, but slide five, tell us a little bit about it, please. Slide, slide five. Uh, when you're going up, um, there's a, uh, what is that? Chair number six. I don't know what they call it now. Uh, the we, peak chair, we right? The peak chair? The peak chair. We call it yeah. chair number six. I don't know if it has a different name now. Um, but, um, you go up there and you'll see the slides will be on your right. Um, and, uh, you'll see this very skinny one way out there, which is, uh, just almost like a, uh, as like a little snip. I don't know how to describe it. Like a little mm -hmm. pencil thin, thin line. And, uh, the hardest part about that one is trying to find it. Um, yeah, Cause it looks like to, I'm looking at a picture of white face right now. And it looks like the top, the entrance to it is difficult to find. The entrance it looks like it's is very, very, I mean, it's very different. I mean, it's I've, almost by the, um, elbow of the road almost. Right. Like yes, below yeah, it? that's actually that's actually where where you would find it. Um, when when you go up there, you you come up to the road. You walk through the woods. You'll see the road right there, and uh, that's usually an indication of where to drop in. Um, so the first person to drop into it, um, kudos to them, whoever whoever they are. <laughs> yeah, because um, I see that I can just see. The, I'm looking at the picture basically from the base of the mountain um, at the entrance to the road going into Whiteface. So I'm looking at it from that perspective, right. and I see that that chunk of trees between the elbow of the road down to where you can see the sliver that you're talking about it's heavy yes. trees like i don't yeah it's barely see an opening there so that's got to be awesome you can you, it's it's really it's really great and uh it the the tree skiing to get into slide number five is is phenomenal as well it's, i mean it's it's a little bit more opened up and if you're uh, i think i was the fifth person to get in there we're the fifth and sixth person to get in there this year um just last past season and it was probably one of the more more memorable runs you know we always have mm -hmm. those runs that we that stick with us or, or uh, uh we kind of think about uh more often than others uh, and that was definitely one of them and i love that one it's it's got it's very it's very thin uh it's, which also cre creates a uh, some really deep snow over there and uh then they have probably four or five cliffs that you can kind of to jump off one of them's maybe like 10 15 feet uh and then you come down and and uh you get into this kind of like a little river bed and then you shoot up into the woods and then there's some really good tree skiing to get back uh to ultimately uh lower skyward i believe it is mm -hmm. um and uh then so, so can out. you describe that yeah can you describe because I, I really the one question i have is once you get to the bottom of the slides it's kind of a funnel down to an area so can you describe what happens when you get to the bottom of the slides to how yeah, to get so, back to the main area yeah of course um so they, yeah like they like you said they all kind of funnel to the same kind of to the world uh world of course you know gravity and water and that's kind of how it goes down so there's usually uh when you're doing like slide one through four typically um you would uh, get funneled into this now slide number five you're way too far left so you're on the other side of the river mm -hmm. um uh, that would uh put you right there so you got to kind of um um so you got to traverse kind yeah. of over to the yeah, river you to get keep, back to keep the going side. right. Yeah, you yeah. got to keep going right. Okay, uh, or, or skiers right when you're skiing down, um, and and eventually get to where you where you need to be. Because mm -hmm. um, that'll fund you really basically at the ridge line there that uh, Wilmington is on. I apologize. Yeah, that ridge. I forget that, to, why, why is that name yeah, escaping when me right when now? You know it, but yeah. So when you're going up uh, slide number six uh, or or chair number six, mm -hmm. um, you'll you'll be going up over a little skyward. 
I, I believe. Yeah, upper skyward there. Yeah. Upper upper lower skyward. Mm-hmm. So you're going um, above that, and you'll see that big, uh, uh, almost like a a, a cat path um, that that will go, and then it will turn into trees and a, a, an old chairlift power line over there. Uh, if you're going up that and. I know exactly right, right what you're talking cap. about. Yeah, it's very yeah, obvious right, for people yes. to come down. So when you come it's down skyward towards, it's not Victoria, whatever it is, but when you stay skiers left coming down Whiteface, what he's describing is as you come down upper skyward, you'll make a big turn and you veer and you'll see a cat path going into the woods there. And I thought that was the escape That's out right. and I want to make sure. And, and that is, yeah, that is the escape out of there. Um, uh, of course, you can go a little bit further down and there's a little, some more skiing out down there, but uh, that that's basically uh, where the exit for that one is. Uh, of course, slide number five, it's a little bit further down. Down, but mm-hmm. and that's down past like Draper's Drop or whatever that is that's down there that little yes exactly Draper's Drop yes yeah. uh, Draper um, now Draper, Draper's Drop is my, crazy by the way what what, yes, what the heck is, is really that good. like are you kidding me with that I've been on so uh, I yeah. like to go on every run Draper's Drop is like one of those runs I'm like really this is a run. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it, I mean, a lot of times. I mean, they. they I mean, I, I'm not trying to downplay us uh, by any means. I love, I love Whiteface, um, but a lot of times they'll make like these little trails just to have another trail to compete with uh, the corporate ski world. Yeah. I mean, so what happens is, this. guys, and it's not so bad anymore. I'm noticing, but in the '90s yeah. and uh, uh, to, uh, I'm sorry, not probably more the 2000s. All skiers yes. are trying to say we have the most number of trails. Like that was a big thing. And now, right. and so you call big... trails can be broken up in three different sections with three different names on it to say it was three trails instead of one. Right. Um, but I'm exactly. finding that that is not so much bad anymore. It's almost like the market people realize, okay, it's not right. Am I seeing that uh, that industry is going away from that a little bit? Yes. So Draper's Drop is crazy, by the way. If anybody wants to check yeah, it Draper's out, Draper's Drop is super fun. I, I mean, I you call it crazy, I call it fun, but you know, that's perspective. That's perspective. Um, so you were that I, guy I, I I've love... seen go in there at like fifteen miles an hour, and like so Draper's Drop describe the drop in is like seriously a twenty foot wall that like yeah, is it's a just skirt like a skirt down. Wall. But I've seen guys like go in there at 10, 15 miles an hour and jump down like fifty feet. Like yeah, I mean that's. The, the, I'd be one of those guys. Um, I, I, I love that kind of stuff. Natural terrain. Uh, at one point, I think in my 20s, no, it was, yeah, it was right before I turned 30. Uh, I'm 34 now, so it was right before I turned uh, 30. I was like, all right, I'm not gonna do. Any, I'm not gonna do any more tricks in the in the park. I'm done. I'm done with this park world. I'm done. So I I would find rocks and stuff to do my backflips and my tricks off of. So, uh, for, and that lasted for about a month. And then of course I gravitated back into the park, but, uh, um, well now they've uh, cre- but, now uh, they created a, a train park like that at Gore. Have you been down there? The, uh, I have not been to Gore. So Gore has a train park with natural features like that now. Yes. Yes. I I'm aware. I'm, I am aware because, uh, I don't know if you know, Gore, Whiteface and Bel Air, they're all, Owned by Orta, all yeah. owned by the Thank state. Thank you. Now. Please expand on that. So I, w- I wanted to touch on that. So please expand on that for people. Orta so, is a yeah, phenomenal so organization. So yeah, so Orta is the Olympo- Olympic Regional Development Authority. Um, now they are they run not only Whiteface, they run also Gore and they run uh, Bel Air. Now these are their ski areas that they own. Now there's also the um, the the Olympic Complex, the skating rink is run by Orta. We also have the uh, bobsled run by Orta, and we also have the ski jumps uh, and like 
us. They're also run by owners. So that is a huge employer uh, in our in Essex County uh, for for a lot of a lot of folks. And so we um, definitely appreciate them. Uh, we wish they would pay us more, but doesn't everybody? Um, and uh, they they basically um, they use us for all of it um, at Orta or uh, for us as, as train park. I'm speaking of, of course. Um, last year, uh, me and my friend Eric, a groomer friend, we went down to um, Bel Air for I think three days, and uh, we we uh, helped build their terrain park because uh, they're a little bit uh, different. Uh, not saying it's bad or good, uh, but they they just run things a little bit differently than we do at Whiteface as far as park stuff um and same with gore so we we have gone down to help them i think the last three years uh down in bel-air to try to help uh get their park uh a little bit better because they have a great they got great great uh park trail i love their park trail uh the problem is they have a couple trails that go like right through it so on a huge landing uh we always have to worry about um people and stuff which which is something we're learning. Uh, so I, how can we funnel away? Fan- so uh, uh, first, let me let me uh, qualify this. Whiteface has the best parks of those three. Uh, Gore does have good train parks, but Whiteface by far, you do a phenomenal job. The last two years, I want to say, I didn't realize you were the run running it, um, but it was noticeable yep. me going up there the last two years, how awesome those parks were. And I've hit... Um, two years ago, my son and I were there w- with a couple of buddies and I was actually hitting the big ones, uh, because it was oh, in w- good. good conditions. I could figure out the speed. Um, so I just want to, I just want to say that I, the parks are great right now at Whiteface, like for families, well, they're you. safe. Um, but one of the things I want to put out there and, and you're a perfect person to talk about this with is families yeah. going in there and the kids going over and the parents not teaching the kids the proper way to go. I love when yeah. families go through train parks because it teaches them and lets them see the features but they're too much going on to the point where it's dangerous. They're in the landing areas when the yeah, kids are trying to that, fly through. So, so please help me um, educate people about this. Yeah. I would love to educate people because that is our biggest problem in the park is uh, people that come in and, and, and it, they're just unaware. They, they have no, uh, they're not conscious to what's going on around them, which is what drives us uh, a little nuts at times. Um, but uh, yeah, so when you go into a park and we encourage, I encourage everybody to come into a park. I, I mean, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do it until you get there. You're not going to get there unless you try it. Um, so, and I'm a firm you, believer I in that. I'm a firm believer. Parents should bring their kids into parks to show them the features, to, to see and them. watch other people doing it, so they can see. Uh, because that's the way you learn. That's yeah. the way you gain experience. That's the way you gain experience. But, but you need to do it intelligently. You need to be please, where? Yeah, please. Like we, I have seen. I've landed on people. Me too. I have. I have, and it was the scariest thing in my life life i was uh, this is just one example i mean years ago i was doing a trick you know like maybe i maybe i was in the wrong who knows but i usually when i see a jump and no one's there everything's fine i hit this jump there was a guy falling on the jump so i landed backwards not even seeing him until i landed smash into him his buddy's standing right there I get a little bit upset, of course, like, what are you doing? Like, you could have just killed me or really injured me. So if you are skiing in the park, 
and you want to try these things, I definitely encourage you, but use your buddy as uh, your eyes. Thank you. Like, now, you um, now, there are rules you know? that you guys have in place. So can you go through some of the rules in the train park? And then and then I want to, then yes. we'll talk more about this, but what are the standard rules of train parks for people that are listening? You know, we have, we have the Burton uh, Smart Style it. Uh, so there's a, uh, uh, they have, I'm trying to think of it right now off the top of my head. It's okay. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean you know. There's there's a couple uh, there's a couple rules. Respect gets respect is a big one. So respect other people and you'll get the respect that you need to. Look before your leap, of course, a huge one. So make sure you see what's going on before we happen. Uh, then we got um, easy style. Don't do anything. Uh, we're not trying to. I mean, if you're just coming in the park, you're not going to learn a backflip the first day. I'm, I'm just going to say that unless you're, you know, maybe a roller blader that can do this. So you, there is an exception. Don't yeah, get me of wrong. course. But if you have good body control and but, you understand, but, and yeah, that's but, different. But for the most part, I mean, you're not going to be doing the, the tricks that, that you're watching uh, the night before. <laughs> uh, for, for the most unless part. Unless maybe you got a trampoline and you worked on it on trampoline for four hours. You know what I mean? Yes, I, mean I mean, there I mean, are safe ways yeah, to do so, things and learn tricks, right? Like. There is safe ways, and and uh, the airbag was was uh, one of those safe ways. But of course, we had even those create injuries. We had a a very a good young skier break his leg on on one a, a few years ago, uh, and and he landed perfectly normal like he normally would. So even those tools, uh, they're good, uh, but you know even they can cause cause uh, injury. I mean, it's a, it's a very dangerous sport, um, which is something I kind of overlook because I'm one one of those thrill seeker guys and and i'm one of those adrenaline junkies and i just love love that rush of of uh whatever it must must be serotonin or whatever it is mm -hmm. and um so um yeah so that adrenaline, like I said, baby. all right so i did look this up real quick while you're chatting so uh park yes. smart terrain park safety program messages so this is the general program um and it's very simple start small work your way up build your skills make a plan every feature every time always look before you drop Respect the features and other users and take it easy. Know your limits and land on your feet. I'm going to add two caveats to this. Always make sure okay. you go through the park with a partner who can be there if you fall to tell the people that you're down. Yeah. You have to yeah. have someone behind you if you're going out. You can't be the last person because you're setting yourself up to be landed on if you fall. Okay, That's, yeah, that's so a basic fall. thing. Um, yeah. And number two, if your family's on terrain parks, I almost think that... Um, now, Whiteface does a great, very good job of signage. So, and, and generally, train parks yeah. are very signage orientated. So, I'm not saying this to be critical yes, or judgmental, yeah. but I think there's a sign every train park could use, and and maybe a message board. You know how you have the digital message boards that says, uh, you know, if you're not going over the features, please stay to the side or something to that yes. jargon. I don't know how you can make that message simple. Yeah, I, I know. But what to you me, mean. like yeah. that, two or three of those signs in every train park at least would remind parents to say, remind their kids stay off the sides because there's kids that listen. The best way to go through a train park, and you tell me if I'm wrong, Aaron, is to have a speed, yep. keep the speed, and go beginning to end really without chopping it up. That's ideally what it's yeah, set up to do. The ideal, ideally, the way I set up my parks, um, this is just me. Uh, I usually like to have a good flow. Um, I don't a lot. Some places, you know, they, they'll put stuff really far away from each other. So you'll hit one one feature, and then you all huddle up, and, and, and then you all wait and do the next feature. 
Well, the, what I like to do is I cr- like to create something that you, you keep hitting and you're like, I do not want to stop because I'm having so much fun right now. And, and that's kind of what I've been trying to do in Broadway the last couple of years, uh, creating uh, a nice little, uh, flow uh where, where you just want to keep keeping going i mean you want to you'll stop at the at the end of the trail and wait for everybody and see what tricks they're doing or, or maybe they're in front of you and you're watching the tricks that they're doing uh but you but i think it's very important to have that that nice flow and, and sometimes if you have that big breakup it it causes more of a problem if anything I agree. Um, and, and I also yeah. want to say, I want to compliment you because uh, I'm critical of this and I watch this because I really like to go through a train park, a medium sized train park from beginning to end and hit feature, 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 feature. That to me is one of my favorite runs. Um, I'm 46 years yeah, old. Exactly. I'm 46 years old. I, I don't want the big takeoffs anymore. I can do them if I, and we'll, like I said, we'll talk about the speed and stuff soon. Um, but I like to go through medium train parks, steady flow, almost like a border style course. I love doing that as well. Um, but I love your Broadway and I love what you guys have done on Danny's bridge and Brookside. Um, and you, and I love how you got the flow, but you do also have areas kind of naturally built in for people to be able to gather. Nat- yeah. Naturally. Yeah, we do. Uh, right? like in, like, I'm, it's, yeah, it's like, like, so let's give example of Brookside. So usually we have, um, you know that that the top of Brookside is a really it's it's a really tricky one for us as, as park park folk because it's it's pretty it's kind of flatter um, and there's mm-hmm. there's you have to keep up speed. So last year we put a jump where we haven't put a jump there uh, uh, since I was I don't remember a jump being there since I was. God, 15, 16 you're right, years old. You're right, I did old, notice so. that. Yeah, you're so, talking about so, right where Danny's Bridge and Brookside like yeah, right come together where, where the Wilmington jump. Trail yeah. kind of dumps into there as well? Yeah. Um, I'm, what, now, what's no. that juncture called? From, you know where the Wilmington Trail ends and then there's that little um, dump off yeah. where you can jump into Danny's Bridge, Brookside. There was Is there a trail name? Is that the Wilmington Trail Extender or is that just Brookside? That's, that's is that technically the start? Oh, Snowflake. It's, it's called Snowflake, I okay. believe. The okay. start of Snowflake I mean, it looks right like there. it's Brookside, but it could be the start of Brookside. Does Brookside originate at the bottom of the Wilmington Trail or is that Well, snowflake? there's Wilmington, there's Boring. Yeah, yeah, boring. So, Wilmington Trail yeah. bus, bus into Boring. And Bobcat. I mean, you, yep. And Bobcat. Um, and you can shoot up over to uh, uh, Brookside, don't get me wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. You need, need a lot of speed, uh, but usually uh, it's, it comes to more in the snowflake world. That's right. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is, which is a, a little side park. Uh, now, we, last year, we we set that up mostly for NYSEF. Uh We built a, a medium. I'm gonna call it a small, mm-hmm. medium sized jump over there uh, for them to train on to try to give them space because we're always trying to. We try to work with NYSEF a lot, um, uh, which is you know we're, we I, I don't want to discourage the 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 freestyle program uh, kids from trying to learn, but, uh, we're, we're, now, what we're is trying NICEF to find for a people, for people what is NYSEF? Oh, so, so NYSEF is, uh, NYSEF is a New York state education ski foundation. So, so I think that's the acronym. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically it's, you can pay X amount of dollars to put your child into this program. We also have Northwoods, uh, which is a private school in Lake Placid, uh, where it's, uh, it's like a ski ski school where the kids will go to school maybe for a little bit in the morning, go skiing during the day, or vice versa. They'll go to skiing during the day and then school at night. Uh, and it's a little private school that they have there. We used to have also uh, NSA, which was a national 
Sports Academy, which has produced uh, some phenomenal skiers um, uh, through that program. Is that out of Colorado now? Robbie, Robbie. No, uh, they just they just ended up uh, taking that down. Okay. Uh, they they tore that down itself, getting something else. But uh, we still have Northwoods. But that was a a really big one. We had. I got to mention. Oh, I forgot to mention two other Rat Pack guys: Robbie Dag, Adam Dag, the Dags. Uh, they were they were uh, some of my good good friends. Uh, um, Robbie was probably one of the wildest guys. Now I don't know if you've done this. Probably not. Um, there's the there's the uh, the skiing the of the waterfalls um, in in the little hiking trails and biking trails that are down towards the bottom where, where, uh, the, uh, right to the right, uh, skiers right of Brookside is, and there's some pretty good skiing in there. And I'm just, skiers I'm just right of Brookside. I'm, so you're talking about, oh yeah. So you're talking about like, what is that bear trail there? The bear, what is it called? Bear Brook? Well, there's not bear. Um, no, well, it's a, between that and, 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 uh, the face. So between the Brookside and the face, there's that little river that goes right through there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've not um, biked in there. Yeah. You, and I'm like, so you can like, skiing in there. It's really good. So and the reason I didn't realize I'm that was open. That's it's it's open. I mean, it's not. I don't um, um, it's not patrolled, uh, but uh, it, um, you're not going to see people there normally. Uh, but it, every now and then you can ski it. Um, and there's some. Uh, I remember. I remember Robbie uh, I, I, uh, doing a big Lincoln Loop <laughs> off the big waterfall in there. Oh my when, God. You know, there's two big waterfalls in there too, dude. There's huge. There's some big ones. Yeah. No, people, was, that's a great this, fall hike, by the way. Anybody goes up to Wayface and people up the trailer and forget that. that hike is one of the prettiest hikes in the fall. I love that hike too. Yeah, I, I usually go there at least once or twice a year uh, after work, and if I'm need to need to feel some uh, mother nature energy or, or some of that gear or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, um, we, I'll go there and, and just kind of hang out by the waterfall. And then it's right by my trail, so I usually check and see what's going on by my trail, which is a great segue. Oh yeah, me to thank talk you. About. Oh my god, I'm so this glad. This is a great segue for me to talk Amen. about how we why what how our trail has been widened by about eight to 10 feet at the bottom side of Brookside this year, um, which we are excited for. And also I'm a little bit nervous, but uh, I'm excited for it as well. Uh, Now, the reason I'm excited for is to get another cat path, which uh, creates maybe us to set up maybe three or four features across the trail, probably more like three. Uh, We'd love to get four, but it's a, it's a whole lot of work for. Well, yeah, plus creates. three is really good because you still need to have egress, right? Like uh, eight yeah. to ten feet for people doesn't sound like a lot, but in the ski world, this is a but big deal. To, for you, that you guys have not widened huge. very, very often. Like, tell a little bit about that. Like, as far as the improvements made over the last fifteen years, just in the last ten, you guys have talk about like Wilmington Trail, the expansion, the this, oh, yes. all the exciting yeah, things eat. with this. Please. So, of course, I haven't been skiing here. I just started, I just moved back to the area maybe five years ago. Um, I was being ski bums still uh, until five years ago, spending my winters in Tahoe. Uh, and then I came back here and uh, now I do that. Um, <clears throat> um, and it's great. I, I love, I, I, I love that the park has gotten a little bit wider, but like I said, I'm, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but um, you're fine. Please. I'm a little I'm a little bit concerned with uh, 
So people are already complain uh, about how much snow we use in the park because uh, we gotta. A lot of people don't realize how much snow is really necessary to build a proper park, and a, a lot of times, you know, we're more of a race mountain. So people sometimes get upset that they see these huge, huge, like what they think is massive piles of snow when really, um, it's really we need more. And I'm not, I mean, I hate to be that guy, um, but uh, as much as we can get is, is, is very crucial, f- not only for, f- to maintain uh, and, but uh, just, just to be able to build. Uh, if you don't give us a lot of snow, we're going to have what is lackluster in my opinion um uh, uh so i'm a big advocate for getting us more snow and and uh for the most part we get what we need but uh it, like i said we could always use more and for this year we're re- really excited um because we got new pipes uh going on at Whiteface uh th- that are a little bit a uh, little bit wider yeah, I've seen the picture of them. Uh, they had them laid out on Brookside, um, which is going to increase the capacity there too. Uh, new snow make snow snowmaking pipe already heading up the mountain to Brookside, Broadway, Mount Run, and Easy Street, which will increase capacity of the snow. Is that correct? Yeah, it completes capacity because it allows more water to go through, um, which creates a whole lot more snow. Which which is uh, um, which is going to be very crucial, um, and uh, I don't know what's going. On. I haven't been. I went to Whiteface just the other day to fill in my application. I'll probably start on Trails Crew in just a moment, um, mm-hmm. and in just maybe not, uh, a week or two. So uh, I'm still kind of closing up at the marina. So we're, we're doing that. And all right. So living in the Adirondacks, one of the things I want to touch base on is you have to have different jobs. So what, what job are you wrapping up now to go to be the mountain guy? So, uh, five years ago, I, my good friend, Sam, who I worked with, Sam Murphy, who I worked with at, uh, at Whiteface, he's like, Oh, I got this great job that I could, that I think you'd be perfect for, uh, with your personality. And it's a, a boat tour guide on Lake Placid. So, uh, this basically, this is a, I drive a pontoon boat around the lake for an hour. They give me a microphone and I get to talk, uh, not only about whiteface, which is uh, a huge talking point for me, of course. Um, but, uh, I get to show off the high peaks and I get to show off, uh, some fancy homes and, and there's a lot of history in Lake Placid uh not just in the skiing world or the winter sports world but also I think musically as well I mean we had Kate Smith living there who who wrote her uh her one of I want to say one of her more famous songs that she did write was uh, when the moon comes over the mountains mm-hmm. uh was that actually written right there on in Lake Placid we got a uh, uh, Victor Herbert who composed some great music uh down there as well um Babes in Toyland of course uh but um and and it's just it fascinates me I I love I love Lake Placid a lot of people will call it Lake Plastic because it's uh it's very much catered towards the the wealthy and mm-hmm. uh 
which is fine uh, for me. Uh, That's okay because those little... type of people usually aren't up bothering us on the trails that we love the most. Exactly. Um, for, for the most part, they're, <laughs> they're not. Uh, exactly. Yeah, they're not going to. Um, if they go to the top, they're coming down parents running follies while we're hitting Skyward yeah, and all exactly. the good stuff, right? Like, yeah, they're so good. Hey, so, so what's, the mile, what's the mileage from, from top to bottom, like from upper Skyward to the bottom? Tell someone like what, what, like what, a run like that means like i know what it means so that is basically i have never found a, a another place in the i mean i i like to think i'm a well-versed skier uh, i'm not trying to say that because i have a big head or anything but uh, i've skied breckenridge uh, when i was 18 i moved out west i i packed up my car full of my stuff i had a ski rack with two pairs of skis uh scogan spring pro models and some 1260s uh or uh sorry the 1080s at the at the time not mm -hmm. the yellow ones but the the jp eau claire model um and i drove those I drove across country um stopping in colorado uh when i was oh i gotta shoot i'm gonna do a little background so Please. i was 16 when I was 16, I went to Whistler uh, for a ski camp. It was High North Ski Camp. Uh, we got Shane Zox that was running that. was a very good uh, professional skier. He was known mostly for his front flip iron crosses. He was on the K2 freeride team. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I got to meet a lot of good skiers. Now, uh, Mike Douglas is the one who taught me how to do a flare. Mike Douglas, of course, now he's he was a announcer for many years. Now he's just skiing and, and living uh, an amazing life. I follow him on Instagram and stuff. Cool. Uh, and then uh, we also had uh, Anthony Bernowski. Uh, now he's kind of gotten out of the ski world, but at one point in time, I'm talking early 2000s, this was one of the best rail skiers, in my opinion, in, in the world. Uh, he, he, he would just, you know, this was 99, 2000s. He was hitting handrails, uh, you know, with kinks in them, which was unheard of at the time. I mean, now, now it's, now it's like, who cares? Every, every, everybody can do that. But, uh, at that point he was, he was the guy, uh, he taught me actually how to ski ride rails and boxes, which was very, very important or very, very memorable. Uh, and definitely appreciate them, mm -hmm. him. And then let's see when I, some of my other coaches, JP O'Claire was my coach up there. Uh, who has passed? It died in an avalanche a couple couple years ago, and then uh, JT Holmes. JT Holmes was my uh, uh, coach, and he was the one that me and him kind of got along really well. We we, we meshed well together. Um, he he kept in contact with me after the ski camp. Uh, now I was 16 years old at the time. So I'm like, well, Oh my God, I'm talking to this guy. That's, you know, somebody in, in my eyes, uh, most people might not even know who JT Holmes is. Mm -hmm. uh, JT Holmes. If you don't know who he is, yeah, please tell he is that. a crazy guy. Um, he was one of those guys back, back then he would go to these big mountains and he'd just straight run straight bomb. Um, uh, uh, big mountain areas where, where people should be turning. He just straight bomb. Then he would, uh, he would, uh, jump off mountains with a parachute. Him and Shane McConkey did cool. that. So, uh, so he was, he, he was, he's, he's a nut. He's a nut. Uh, he was actually in, uh, Transformers three, <laughs> believe it or not, a, a skier made it into Transformers three, uh, that wingsuit 
I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but they have a wingsuit scene. Yep, I've seen um, it. Where they're we're going through Chicago. One of those guys is J.T. Holmes, the the guy I got to 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 live with. And I you guys to live with him and, and like talk to him every day and share food and stuff. Oh my god! And so yeah, so when I was eighteen, I'm yeah. When I was so I kept in contact with him. He's like. Move out to Tahoe. I was like, I don't know. I was going to school at Johnson State College at the time over in Vermont. And uh, I got to mention this. The only reason I went to Johnson State College in Vermont, this was 2002, um, was because they were the only, only uh, campus in the country that had a terrain park on campus. So that's what brought me to that on area. Campus? Now define it. So it was a hill yeah. behind the dorms and a little T-bar? So Yeah, so there wasn't a T-bar. Uh, there was a little hill and throughout the years, uh, the ski club and the snowboard club, they did some landscaping. So they, it wasn't like they had snowmaking or anything. They just had these big mounds that they'd set up that it'd snow on top of, which would create these kind of jumps and hips and, and stuff. And then what they'd do is they'd go down to there was Grand Union at the time. I think that's gone now, but Grand Union had a bunch of uh, cart corrals, uh-huh. uh, which, which we know. Yeah, so uh, the, uh, so they took the cart corrals apart, welded them together, and created some rails um, in the in uh, for the for the kids. So every, I probably, I mean, it's probably. A, this, the reason I had a 1.7 GPA <laughs> average my first semester. You're helping build uh, up the train park. That was actually. Uh, no, wait, but think about it. That's like you're you're like helping build that up. I'm sure you were adding elements to that, knowing you. Oh, I mean, I was definitely. I was having. Johnson was uh, definitely really fun skiing. I remember we we, you know, we, it was very hilly. It's very mountainous over there uh, where that place is. So uh, there a lot of times we'd build like little jumps over little walkways and stuff and. And I, you know, try to impress every all the all the ladies or whatever it may be, whatever it, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, look at this! I can I can do a switch backflip like right on campus while everybody's looking out their window. I'm cool, right? <laughs> I can't, you are, man. You got some body control. I'm cool, right? Hey, Come so <laughs> so wait a minute. So we've talked now for a while, and we have not mentioned the most important subject for this whole podcast is yeah, cannabis I know. usage. I was thinking about that. I am going to yes. tell you right now uh, on all my travels, everything, and I'm going to have my son on a future podcast with you. The three of us are going to be on a future podcast um, because okay. he he wanted to be on this one, but he had um, he's at UB and he had classes today because um, I want to talk about this with him. I have been high 95 percent of the time. I've been skiing. Yeah, I'm I mean, constantly high THC. So, I actually have a listen. I, I'm bad. Like I have a windproof lighter. I have a windproof bowl <laughs> that I put butt into. Like I don't like to go back in the lodge. I have a very strict routine. I like to go back in my car, yes, yes. but I like to be high all the time. So I'm that guy in the mountain that oh, has okay. music in my ears and THC <laughs> in my system. 95% of the time I've been skiing my whole life from the time yes, I've been I mean, 17. I, I, you know, the, f- it's funny i'll tell you the first time the first time i actually partook um i was actually um god this was the first year the gondola was built Uh, the first year the gondola was built i'm going up with this uh kind of scruffy looking uh uh, snowboard character um and uh he's like hey want some of this i was like oh hell yeah sure like let's do this wait a minute the first time was just before you're about to ski yeah, yeah. So <laughs> on the gondola, um, and I'm like, all right, and uh, it, this is great. I'm feeling great. I was like, all right, we're going to go do a backflip. So uh, there was, um, I, if you know the face and 
where the face is and then it opens up right there uh underneath the the chairlift uh the face face chair the face uh, there's, chair there's okay so we talk okay yeah, yeah, yeah actually chair. yep so we're going right underneath there and there's these huge jumps uh they're not the ruts that uh create these kind of natural jumps which you probably have seen absolutely uh, yeah. and uh so i was like all right let's Let's go do a backflip off of this. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, wait, wait, so, how old are you now? I didn't do my age though. We gotta get I'm age. Like got 15, I'm 15, 16 years and old. And you started skiing. How old were you, were you when you started? Uh, five. Was, okay, five so, years so, old. so listen, folks. So he's 11 years of skier. So, so real quick, 16 years old. When you ski that much as a kid, skiing is second nature to you. Like the skis are like oh, part God. of you. Like I'm just gonna reference yeah. this for people. So this is not as big of an unsafe thing as people might think right now. Like, but go ahead, finish. I no, 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 no. This is. At this point, I mean, uh, I, it, to give a reference for people that are listening, I am a better person on my skis than I am walking around as a human. I, I, I will fall more walking around than I will skiing. <laughs> um, I mean, to an extent. I mean, if I'm trying something new, I might fall a couple more times. But uh, Of course, you got to push uh, yourself I, every day. So if yeah, you're not exactly, falling, you're not trying, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah but go exactly. ahead. But, but I got to hear this though. So you're, you're talking about doing a backflip? Hot. No, so I'm like, you just right, smoked guys, on a gondola for the first time ever first and you're about to do a backflip. And I'm about to do a backflip. I'm like, I, we had it all set up. I was like, I'm going to do this. I've been looking at it all day. And... Uh, uh, I go up and I'm like, all right, this is going to be it. This is it. And I go do a backflip under rotate it, catch my tips, crash in my belly. And I'm like, Oh my God, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Wait, but you didn't get injured, right? No, no injury. So then uh, I went up the gondola again. I go, all right, guys, I'm going to do that again. I got this. So, of course, went up, did it again, stomped it, landed it. Uh, we're good. Uh, and uh, forever was changed my uh And the cannabis views. probably helped you from not feeling the pain from that Yeah, fall I mean, the cannabis, bit. what it does uh, for skiing and hiking and, and even that, it, it will, for me, at least, it's different for everybody. Um, it it kind of relaxes my body. I've had a lot of injuries. I haven't even got into the injuries that I've had with you, which is, we could probably spend another, you know, half hour on just my injuries, but I've uh, tore my rotator cuff, dislocated my elbow. I have some metal in my elbow. I broke my back when I was 18. Uh, well, compressed the vertebrae. I uh, broke my ankle. I broke my hand multiple times. I've, I've broke my thumbs. I've, my worst injury was a tip tip, but that was actually, I wasn't doing anything wild, but most of those other ones were usually air related. Um, so yeah, uh, usually for me, I have a lot of aches and pains. I am scared to be, grow up and be old cause, um, uh, I hurt a lot. <laughs> uh, so usually that will help me, uh, usually relax my body. And, have you started and, adding uh, CBD? Kinda, have you started adding CBD to help repair some of that? Um, I have a little bit, uh, I'm not uh, on it as, as much as I probably should or, or, or or anything like that. So just so you know, in your area, I just, uh, a couple episodes ago, I interviewed uh, Erica Fallon, who has the Fallon uh, Family Wellness, um, it just in Colony area there of Albany. And um, she's an okay. alchemist pharmacist where she, her, and her, her dad is an avid skier. Like I'm surprised you don't know the Fallon last name, but he's a psycho, I guess, out West. Um, and many people know him around Whiteface and Gore. Um, but uh, she, she's a great reference if you want to uh, reach out to her as far as CBD to help what the ailments, because, because, 
what you're talking about is um, I pride myself. I'm a 17 year triathlete and I've barely had an injury soft tissue because of cannabis, mm-hmm. I believe is my recovery. Um, I've actually probably taken less than a uh, shot glass worth of ibuprofen in 17 years as a triathlete. Um, but what wow. you're talking about is actually fractures, things that no matter if you smoke or not, you can't stop because it is things that is just, it's yeah. impact. Yes. Um, so yes. what I'm saying now is maybe reach out to Erica, you talk CBD with her. She might be able to help you, uh, help maybe with, with the future. Me. Cause you know, arthritis and all this other things are going to set in. And it's mostly because it's going to be because of inflammation. Um, and CBD definitely will help with that, with the CB receptor. So, so you are a regular cannabis user. So, um, uh, are you also a father? Kids like like tell yes, I have a father. I have a I have a four year old. Um, unfortunately, me and my wife have separated. Uh, um, Sorry, so, here, man. Uh, I'm divorced. No, as well, yeah, it, so. was, it was it was tough. It was a tough one. That was a couple years ago, but uh, we're past that now um, for the most part. And uh, now I get to hang out with a little guy. Um, and uh, so you have a son. You know, is that right? Yeah, I have a son. I actually, so I actually thought of the name of my son. This is kind of fun. I, I'm a, I kind of, I like to be kind of original, clever, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was driving through work and I always liked that name, uh, D-A-X, Dax. I always thought that was kind of cool, but like, I'm one of those guys, I like to put my own flair, my own style, my own originality. So we, we call him Dax. Uh, his name is Dax. He's amazing. Adirondacks, well, by uh, the way. Gonna, I say Dax yeah, when I say I'm going. But, yeah, by the way, yeah. folks, that's when I tell people I'm going up to the mountains. I just say I'm going to the Dax. So for your son, yep. being called Dax so, is like the best thing ever. Yeah, yeah D- and we spell it D-A-C-K-S, just like the Adirondacks. Yeah, just like I say it. And so, so there's stickers so, uh, with his name on it everywhere in every yeah, so little town of yeah, Adirondacks. He might, yeah, so when he goes, when he's uh, in going you know, maybe on a field trip later, he might not find his name unless uh, he goes to the Adirondacks and he'll find his name everywhere. <laughs> oh man, that's such a cool name. How old is he? he he'll be four, uh, November 12th. And how long has he been on skis already? Uh, he has only been on skis with me. Uh, I haven't, he'll be out this year. Uh, I take in him skiing. We've had some, um, troubles uh, he was in school this year so it made it kind of difficult and especially when i work on the weekends yeah, yeah, it's so tough, it's, it's, right. it's 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 tough for our time to line up which it, it will um no, that's I'm, good I'm sure that's a valid that, point too for people like sometimes life's in the way from what you really want to do because obviously you want to have your son of the mount right away but it doesn't oh my god your I, schedule yeah i mean my schedule is tough i mean when he's in school or preschool uh and has the weekends off and i have to work the weekends because it's a tourist job um it makes it um difficult and like i said we're we're gonna get him out there he's he, he'll probably i'm hoping uh he's uh ready for the grommet jam uh this year which we which is a jam we have every spring with all the the little kids and last year we had a great turnout and i was like really happy uh to see a lot of uh the young kids because now it's it's my friends' kids, you know. So it's it's the people I grew up skiing with uh, that are watching their sons and daughters compete, which yeah. is great. Yeah. So my daughter, uh, my daughter's now twenty three. My son's nineteen. My daughter was on the slopes with me from six, five years old. She skied, and then she switched to snowboarding in high school. Uh, my son's uh-huh. nineteen. Uh, he tried snowboarding a little bit, but he he's that kid that likes to be good at everything right away. So he wasn't good right away. And he got frustrated. So he is yeah. just a straight skier. Um, yeah. and he's been skiing since he's been three. I had him with one of those racer chasers at three oh, years yes, old. Yes. So my That's son's great. been on the mountain since like two and a half, three years old that we've had him on the mountain and he's loved it. You know, like, like a, he can 
go any run, any mountain, anywhere, any trail, anytime. And I would be feel totally confident with him next to me. And uh, so it's nice. I can't wait to see your, that progression with you and your son because you're going to be the same way with him. Totally. Good stuff. So um, yeah, now great. I want to get back to, we did go off on a tangent from from, uh, from what, something I brought up. Yeah, uh, so you were adding how much you've skied everywhere, you've done everything. And now, did you X Games professional? Like, did you, how, how, where did you get as far so, as like your, that piece of it? So that, so when I was 18, I moved out West uh, in hopes. Uh, of course, everyone has, I, I'm one of those guys. I don't dream small. I dream big. Uh, I if I see something I want to go after, I'm going to put a hundred percent of myself into it. Um, so that was what I did when I was 18 years old, um, moved out West, lived with JT Holmes. Um, I got to, uh, my first week I got to hang out with CR Johnson. <laughs> I actually got him, uh, uh, some Northern lights at the, at the time. So we were, we were doing that. Uh, Shane McConkey, uh, he, he came over regular as he was JT's like best buddy. Um, and so I got to actually have some really great conversations with him. And one of my favorite conversations, with uh, Shane McConkey that I ever had uh, is my big trick that I always loved to do was a big switch backflip, mm-hmm. um, which is when you take off backwards and do a big uh, backflip and then you land backwards. And uh, that was the trick I've done since I was 15, 16 years old. And there's a race wow. between me and my buddy to see who could land it first. Of course, we watched Jay Michael Felder, who made it to the X Games and gotten a terrible uh, traumatic hit ended up being unconscious for five hours because it was at, um, I'm going off a tangent, but it was down at Mount snow and there's a big windstorm. Mm-hmm. So he, that kind of ended his ski career. And then he became a photographer. He was a, uh, head editor for free skier magazine for, for a while. Uh, that's one of the Rat Pack members. Um, so going out back to, from where I was, uh, where was I skiing? Yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to see like how far you got to the professional, like what, what level you got oh, to is the so, top level before so, you settled yeah, back so down. What from you what, well, so I settled back down. So when I was out there, I competed every weekend. There was a, 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 a circuit called the snow bomb competition, uh, which usually every weekend there was a different, uh, big air or slope style event, uh, usually 500 bucks. I got to compete was a big prize of $500 if you want. Um, big uh, competitors I got to compete against, uh, Mike Wilson. Um, you might remember him. He's he was a, he's one of those nut guys. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, he, he, We're talking about um, origins of X Games. You're talking about, you're pulling up names of like the origins of like really this becoming popular nationally. Yeah, these guys were were, were, were the, the heads of heads on screens. So X Games qualifiers, I did that when I was eighteen year or nineteen years old, I believe. Uh, that was at Snow Snow Sugar Bowl, Sugar Bowl Mountain. It cost a hundred fifty dollars to uh, to try out for the X Games at this point. And now uh, it was hundred fifty dollars. I spent the hundred fifty dollars. I tried out. Unfortunately, there was a lot of wind that day, so I think there was only maybe five, ten people that could actually clear the big jump. So on a, I went the day before and practiced on this jump over and over and over and over again. And then I ended up uh, getting my tricks down. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be good. And then the next day huge overcast wind blowing nobody could clear the jump 
Um, and it's kind of a little bit disappointed, but, uh, at the same time, uh, it was, I got to have uncle E, um, he was the guy who announced the, the, the event. And if you don't know who uncle E is, he is a huge part of, uh, the ski world. He's not only was he an announcer for the X games, uh, until recently, maybe three years ago, he retired, but he was also the person that was responsible for getting ski across into the Olympics. Wow. Um, back. And I love ski across. That's my favorite, one of my favorite new events. Uh, it's, it's definitely exciting. I mean, you get to, I, it's almost like a Chinese downhill. If you, if you know what that is. I mean, that's a reference to the movie hot dog. Um, mm-hmm. uh, no, that's right. Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite ski movies. That's hot dog. one of my oh. favorite movies. I just love that. What the fuck is he? Chinese downhill. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a Chinese kid saying that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love it. So, uh, oh yeah, man, so. dude, that, that is so, so keep going with this trade file. I love this. I, this is, I love this background uh, here in this, because this is really, you know, for people that really want to hear about the national scene, this is really cool grassroots stuff. Yeah, I mean, skiing and like nowadays, it's really wild. I mean, it's hard to even keep up. I mean, I grew up with people like Tanner Hall. Tanner Hall just got dropped by Oakley. Of course, he's a huge cannabis user. Funny story about Tanner Hall and myself. I used him. I used him as a, a reference one time. I got in a little bit of trouble uh, in Johnson State for having some marijuana, uh, and uh, I had to go through uh, this drug diversion program or whatever. Uh, and <laughs> so, during telling this, you do more, you this, need to do more. That should be in the program. Do yeah, more and drink no, less. No, no, it's really funny. So this, this is great. So I have to for this drug diversion program. Not only have to go to it's all the psychological stuff that they're trying to figure me out, uh, and then they had to go to this little, um, it was a, it was a, all these, it was like a, a panel. It was a panel of the, the community of these older members of the community. So I had to sit down right there in, in this room and it was maybe, maybe five, 10 people just all looking at me and asking me, why, why do you use cannabis? Like what, what is, what's the reason that you're, you do this and, and bringing this to our community or whatever it may be. And at that that time, Tanner Hall was in Sports Illustrated uh, that month, and on his skis, on his skis, he just had a bunch of pot leaves Perfect. going up and down his skis. So what do I do? I throw Tanner Hall right under the bus. I go, well, Tanner Hall is one of my favorite skiers, at which we which he really, he wasn't. I go, Tanner Hall, who I really look up to and uh, idolize, he's in Sports Illustrated with all these pot leaves on his skis. So, um, yeah, that's why I smoke. (laughs) 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 And and, uh, eventually I got off that program. Um, Hey, did you tell him uh, that story ever? Did you ever tell him that story? No, I've never told. I would, him. I've I would never love even for you to cross those. paths with him and tell I, I, story. I've never. I, I've been to Johnson, maybe just passing through a couple times. Actually, recently we had a gig uh, over in in Vermont, over there, where we had uh, some of that going. Or where I, last time I went to Johnson, but I always I always remember that panel. It was so funny. So this whole train <laughs> of thought started with talking about him and, and Tanner Hall and professional and the X Games and all this because we want to talk about top to bottom runs at Whiteface versus other players. So obviously now Aaron here is established. He's skied everywhere. He's skied every kind of terrain. He's probably been in every bowl and all Breckeridge, all this stuff. 
talking about. So tell me about yeah. how top to bottom run, Skyward to the bottom, is different oh, and special. Yeah. So top to bottom run at Skyward, you are not going to find that anywhere else. Uh, I, like I said, skied everywhere. You, from Whiteface, I mean, it's if you really want to ski it fast, you can probably do it in five minutes. Um, I, th- I forget, maybe seven minutes. Yeah, my buddy I, have, did it. I, I think uh, eight or nine minutes, I think it's my fastest top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's, and it's just a whole lot of terrain. I mean, Skyward's a long trail. It's very steep. So you can go fast on it. Do you know it, what but, the percentage uh, of the pitch is there? I've been curious about that. Oh, God. Uh, I I would ha- I I do know, but not off the top of my head. I I, I do have that information somewhere That's in okay, my mind. That's okay because we're gonna have another podcast um, together. So I'll write it down right now that we'll talk about that. So we'll talk about the percentage of the pitch um, off the top, and and also what we're referencing is Skyward is where the uh, 1980 Olympics were held at Whiteface. For those of you who don't yeah, know, it's just five races. hours from here. Uh, and on Skyward, that's where the downhill start was up there. Yes, that's right. It's still there. It's still there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you go there, you can see all the history of the 1980 Olympics and and the 32 where where there were venues that used the 32 Olympics as well. Uh, but yeah, you yep, can see everything and learn it just by looking at the signage of Whiteface. And if you find Aaron, obviously he's a wealth of knowledge too. Um, yes. But yeah, talk about a little bit about Skyward and what people see when they go up that lift and a run from oh, Skyward man. down. Just just go through the, it in your the mind. run from. I mean, just 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 getting up to the top of the mountain. I mean. Since I work in the park, I'm I don't get to get to the very top of the mountain too often. So now for me, it's very a special time because I get it to the very top, and not only are you at the very top of the mountain, but you get probably one of the nicest views, and you can see all the high peaks out there. You can see, um, you know, Gothics, uh, Marcy, um, Colden, Algonquin, all these. All these places. He's referencing uh, many of the 46 of the high peaks of the Adirondacks and looking south from Whiteface, you get to see most, most of these. It's really an incredible view every day. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you get up there and you see this pitch and you kind of have to look over. It's like a cl- cliff, like drop in up at the top, right? There's a couple different places yes, to drop in. You um, can cut a, in between trees big, or a, open drop in. Yeah, so it's like a little cat track that comes off of parents. That is kind of how you get into it, and uh, it's it's uh, some pretty steep stuff. I'm now. Last year, they're actually going to film me. I, I'm one of those guys. I, I'll, I'll do a I'll do a big. I'm, Lincoln Loop is like my go to trick nowadays. Um, now that I'm older, um, I still, of course, I still need that a little adrenaline every now and then. So the Lincoln Loop is just when you now and then. Over don't you your, mean every day? What do you mean now and then? Yeah, every day. Yeah. So, All right, thank you. So, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. So we throw, we throw, uh, we throw, you throw your shoulder. It's like doing a cartwheel, almost like a barrel roll, if you would. Okay. And the reason I like to do it is because I, I'm never blind. I, I, I always can see what's going on in front of me. I can spot my landing immediately. So what you do is you drop your either right or left shoulder and you do like a barrel roll and then you're back getting your body straight again. Because I almost feel like that's something yes. I could do. That's something I practice on a trampoline, that move. Now, is that very natural? It feels like your body would follow your head yeah, pretty quickly it, in your shoulder, it, right? It follows your head pretty quickly and it easily can turn into a rodeo obviously that's when you just spin around to 180 or, or whatever mm-hmm. or flat spin or whatever whatever trick you want to call it um it's hard keeping up with the tricks because the tricks now i call it a lincoln loop a lot of people call it flat spins now i just want to reference this since i have a little platform 
The Lincoln Loop is named after Edward Lincoln. Edward Lincoln was the first person to do the Lincoln Loop. Now these kids today, they want to rename the trick, calling it the flat spin. And I have a, I have a, some qualms with that. It's like we don't, we don't call it the Rodney Mullen flip or whatever. You know, we, we give him the respect. So I feel like we should give the skiers who invented the, the, the trick the same respect that we give the skateboarders that respect the trick. I'm glad so you say that. Yeah, thank you. Flat spin. It, it, it's called the Lincoln Loop, named after Edward Lincoln, who was the first first person to uh, to uh, do that. So, uh, of course, the name game's always changing in our sport. Um, so it's it's hard to, for me to keep up. Um, but uh, that's so my re- to, that's yeah, really- I love it. So so I, I I'm still wanting references top to bottom run for people because because oh, uh, so so, See, so I'm, when, I'm so when you're a fan, no, so, don't worry about it, dude. No, I love your. I love your tangents, every one of them. Don't worry about it. So when you get to the top of 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 uh, P, of chair six or the peak lift, for people who've never been there, the peak of white face, he already said it's what forty six fifty, um, but the top of the lift is forty three eighty six. So it's only three hundred feet from the top of white face, the top of the lift. That's how awesome it is. Right. Um, and upper. Yes. So what you have at the top is a small catwalk, and you can cut across the catwalk, and then you have upper skyward, which is a black diamond cloud spin, which is a black diamond that's not always open often. Uh, and then you have Perrin runs and the Follies. So if you have kids, you could technically go up there and skirt down the Follies, though that can get a little icy in there, but it's a really fun back and forth yeah. switchback run. Uh, or Perrin's run, which is a little more open. But I really uh, suggest that the kids at least know how to turn and stop properly if you're going to take them up yeah, to the top. So you don't take your kids up there until they can stop uh, and and they can, yes, I Yes, I 100% agree with that. Uh, we we want to keep people safe up there. Uh, granted, we want people to have fun, uh, but it, like I said, it's a very dangerous sport. And uh, not is it just scary for your kid who's maybe learning to turn or stop, but also for the experienced skier when they come around, let's say parents, it's, it's got a lot of windy turns. So you might come around a turn and not be able to see what's going on. And then you, you could have a collision or, or something like that. That, um, which and, is and what the- we're talking about is we're talking about a face that is above everything else around it. So this this the tra- the conditions up there can change. They can change per day. I've been up there where uh, in the morning yeah. it was awesome, and an hour later I would never bring a kid up there. Um, exactly. So that's how quick the conditions um, of white face exactly. can change to let everybody know. Yeah, it's very very exposed up there. Wind definitely does play a part uh, up up there uh, more than it does at, in, in my Brookside uh, where where I. We're, which is yeah, the protective zone. Yeah. But yeah, before we finish this, we're going to talk a lot about that for families. We'll talk about that area, but I really want to talk about the peak a little bit more before we change so that, peak, but you're good. The peak, so uh, the peak is, is, is amazing. Uh, up there, once you get up there, you can breathe, you can ski down that it's, it's very steep. You can, uh, there's some really good trees that I'm going to take you into, uh, this, this, this year, Excellent. um, um, that, uh, I love over there, um, that are really good. Um, if you, if you don't want to do the typical skyward run, um, uh, if you want to hop in, there's some really good oh, I stuff definitely over do. There. Yeah, no. I, so usually what I do, my, one of my favorite runs top bottom is going upper skyward. Then I do kind of cut over to the crossover, um, and then do lower skyward and come down like under the, under the chair. Um, sometimes I'll cover Weber's way Victoria, but I find I do Victoria a lot coming off little white face. So I try to stay on skyward side, um, but I love doing upper lower skyward and then pounding down. And then when you get to the bottom of white face, this is a really cool part. It gets a little narrow. There's a little bottleneck, uh, upper boring, 
lean to upper valley there. It could be a little bit of a bottleneck, and that's where your first train parks there are off Broadway. But then once you get past yes. that mid-station, it opens up again to where I love this. And me and my son used to like at the top be like, what are we doing at the bottom? So listen to this. You get past the mid-station Whiteface. Now, you've already had steep pitches. You've already had a good mile and a half, two-mile run. You get to the mid-station. Now, all of a sudden, you have your choice of terrain parks. Uh, or, woods, yeah, the face, um, the f- yeah, the face, or you could go into Wolf Run and Wolf boring. and do the, or you could do Boreen and Nice Easy Cruiser, or you could go over to Wolf Run and Wolf and cut over the lower parkway over there and um, over there, and you can cut over into a border cross course where you and your kids can go on, and if it's open, um, I mean, there's so much diversity at the bottom of that mountain that. It, that's why I love Whiteface. This is why the yeah, top, to bottom, right? Like, yeah, the top to bottom runs are, are like like you said, amazing. They're so good. Uh, there, like, there's so much you can access. There's, there's not only, God, uh, you're not going to get a top to bottom run like that anywhere. Uh, we had a few years ago, we had a professional snowboarder come, come there and it was the first time there. Uh, his name is slipping my mind right now, but it, we ended up getting into trans world snowboarding with when he came. Oh, Johnny O'Connor is his name. Uh, he came and uh, it was the first time he ever came to Whiteface and he's, east coast guys been everywhere and he was surprised he never been to whiteface because it was one of the most fun places he skied on the east because you not only a lot of places you'll have a, a trail that'll just lap a park we don't have that at white i mean we do i guess the facelift you could kind but, of uh, yeah we, but yeah kind of but uh but uh we we're one of those places that you actually got to learn how to ski to get to the park uh, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That's it. That's because you basically you could, if you go up the, the main, the facelift, which is an express lift, get you up very quick up the mountain. We're talking about like uh, four or five minutes to, to admit, to get you to the bottom of the summit quad. Um, you could do terrain parks pretty much from there all the way down. Um, cause if yes. you go off Broadway from there or Broadway, uh, which I love Broadway, uh, and then to Danny's bridge, you pop in, but you oh, do in the middle have it? that little river run boring loop. You got to hit to get to your train park again. But yeah. Um, you're right. You got to be a skier to get to them. That's right. That's right. So yeah. So that's that. That's um. That's what I love about Whiteface. You can ski. You can ski, and you can ski and ski, and it's the most fun ever. And uh, if 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 you appreciate it, it's and realize you know we might not have we're. we're Whiteface is my favorite underdog story as, as far as ski mountains, <laughs> mountains go. Uh, and uh, just recently, um, and uh, I don't know if you follow this, but Unofficial Networks, uh, they're kind of a big in the in the ski world. Unofficial Networks just put out an article that uh, Whiteface Mountain is probably the most underrated ski area in the country, which uh, which is an underdog story. Um, we we're kind of a, a little sleepy town that doesn't get much uh, attention, but when we do, it's usually pretty good. The only mountain I like to ski, two mountains that I like to ski on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, when I'm forced to ski on Saturday and Sundays, because I'd prefer to ski midweek all day long. But Saturdays and Sundays, there's two mountains across the Northeast, and I've been up and down Vermont, like I said, and here, Gore and Whiteface, the way that the traffic moves around, um, as long as you're not stuck wanting to get on the main gondola every time at both those two places, and you can get around them both without using the main gondola every time, it's not Mm -hmm. like a weekend skiing anywhere else. Like You can get, you can have your own nooks and crannies and not be crowded, and it really be fun experience. Exactly. 100%. 
So we're, what we'll do is we'll tell our listeners, we're going to have another episode probably around Thanksgiving uh, when everybody's getting ready to okay. plan their trips and everything so we can get an update on how the, the expansion went uh, and the train park. And I also yes. want to talk about, um, and, and I want other people to get excited about this. So I want to talk about like the speed that you pick to go through train parks, medium, large. How do you choose speed? Oh, okay. You know what yeah. I mean? I really want to get into that because for me, I feel like I can do any jump at any train park anywhere if I know the right oh, speed me, going yeah, into totally. the jump. Um, yeah, but, that's, that's, that's the biggest kicker. Um, that's always the scariest part of my job, um, that I do at Whiteface. Um, um, I, I used to be the tester. I used to be the Guinea pig. And, uh, unfortunately after I broke my leg, uh, they have discouraged me from that role in the train park, <laughs> which was a tough, tough one for me to give up. Um, but, uh, it's always the scariest because we'll build our jump and we'll have the one guy or gal, uh, be fair, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, we'll have them hit 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 the jump and that's always like I said the scariest because we're like okay did we build this right? Yeah. Did we have, well, the have physics behind so, it. See, you're, that's too. So we I want to talk about. So in the future, um, we're going to talk about Bear Den Lodge and the expansion going on there for families and how good that is for everybody. We're going to talk yes, about his train park more. Uh, we're going to talk about like the physics of creating a train park. Like, do they have to measure like that a hill has to be 50 feet for a 30 foot takeoff? We're going to talk about that. But I want you to give your band you're part of. So everybody in that rides oh, okay, come yes. listen to your band. And I want any so, yeah, social media on. sites we're, you're on, please tell everybody. So uh, Aaron Cook, uh, is my Facebook. You'll find a little picture of my my little guy. Uh, he has this, a hat that says skier trash, 100% skiing. Um, ski. uh, and then uh, I got uh, Instagram at whitefacedafari. Uh, whitefacedafari. Um, and uh, then you will find uh, the Stinky Boots String Band, which is I am the mandolin player and vocalist, which is a band we started at Whiteface Mountain. And actually, coincidentally, we're playing tonight in Wilmington. And for a little Halloween uh, get together, which uh, I always love going down there because it's kind of like a hometown uh, store. And I got to do, I just got to tell you a little bit about why we named ourselves the Stinky Boots. You guys, a skier, you might appreciate this. Now, originally we played an employee party. It was three of us. Uh, we now have four of us, but there's three of us originally. Um, and uh, we played in the Carl, Carl uh, Jacob Stern and myself, and uh, we played in the locker room of the ski school and we're playing it and it sounded great uh we we played a little bit before and it sounded pretty good and we're we sitting around and like what do we call ourselves and we're like man it really stinks like boots in here like there's all the ski boots and stuff so we're like all right we're the stinky boots string band and uh that's kind of where that kind of it's idea perfect and, and i love string bands and the mandolins one of my favorite instruments yeah. aaron oh, yeah that's actually so how handy. i met you uh um uh i was picking mandolin at the at the concert there and, and trying to just uh put my music out there and uh like i said we're playing um i don't know you have to find us uh stinky boots on facebook as well as uh at instagram uh, uh as well and uh we encourage you guys to come out and have fun with us because we're just a fun bunch of uh, skiers for the most part. Oh, and we love talking skiing and being hardy. Uh, so he, so as just so everybody knows that as of the taping, so he played last Saturday as when he actually did because this from this launch date. But in the future, look up Stinky Boots in the Wilmington Lake Placid area, um, string yes. band. And I'm gonna be. I'm definitely if I come up there, I'm gonna be listening to you guys now this winter because I will be up there the yes. minute the snow flies. Yeah, Aaron, we'll, so. we'll pro- I hope. I'm hoping we'll, they'll hire us again at Whiteface. They hired us at White 
pace last year. So well, they have to. You work there. You gotta. You gotta. And also, I need to put a shameless plug out there. If you, by any chance, there's one piece of apparel I need because I have a tattoo on my calf of the white face symbol. I have the actual etching of the white face scarring, like white face mountain, on my thigh. Um, Uh I want a black and white. So you know the black baseball hats with just the white white face emblem that the employees have. I've been wanting yes. one of those for like years and oh, years. Like, like the order flame. Okay. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so, but the all black hat with the white logo, if you could find one of those for me, man, I will do anything. I will videotape you a right. winner. I'll, anything you can do to get me one of those hats, I want one. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely work on that and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll, we get you set up with some swag for sure. No. Um, we look for. I look forward to seeing you on the mountain. Actually, now that uh, we you got me all pumped up on skiing, which I haven't been this pumped on skiing in a, since last year. Cool. No, this is the <laughs> energy. This is why I wanted to do it here because uh, basically today's the beginning of November, guys. It's November right now, so yeah. And just so you guys know, <clears throat> I was working at the marina yesterday, and uh, at about. Uh, 2500 feet uh we have a snow line so everything anything above that is all covered in white snow right now perfect uh, if you want to get excited about stuff i know i am i saw a picture from two weeks ago where there was just a frost and haze over everything um so now that there's definitely snow over over 2500 feet we're happy yeah. Uh, so, hey, after you get off the phone, I just want to tell you real quick, Aaron, because I know you're in a hurry and uh, you've been so great to me. Yep. I know I've kept you from band practice, but I, I always do this <laughs> thing, fact, fiction, or the jury is still out. Um, but because you are an expert on Adirondack history, we're not. I'm not going to do it with you. I want you to get off the line, but I do hope you listen to the podcast for after you get off and correct me mm-hmm. on anything that I read that you think there might be different because I see there's some debate about when Whiteface was named and how. And I'm going to tell people about oh, the history yes. of, I'm going to yeah, talk yeah. to people about the history of Adirondack skiing after you get off the line. Um, so please make sure you listen to it. That way our next podcast, you correct me, but uh, we'll talk more about the history of the skiing there. Oh, I'm going to talk yeah. about the ski trains a little bit. Um, and Joe, and you know, the original guy, Jack rabbit, Joe Hanson, I'm going to mention everybody. So, uh, Aaron, thank you for joining us today. Um, the podcast is not over everybody, but Aaron has to leave cause he's going to band practice. Yes. I get, we got to sound good. All right. You're the man, Aaron. Thank you so much, Brian. Oh, go, go have some THC brother. Yes, I will. That's what I got to do too. Uh, have have the most fun, and it was great. Thanks for having me. And uh, come out to Whiteface and come see Stinky Boots, everybody. Yeah, have a great day, brother. <laughs> yeah, you too. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. So, Whiteface is my home. Like right now, I am so like I can't even tell everybody. I'm I'm overwhelmed. I hope everybody, um, anybody who's a skier out there or didn't know much about Whiteface, um, learned a ton through him today. Um, I know I want, I want to be careful. I want, I want to bring up my YouTube channel right now because I know if some people who listen to what we talked about just now, uh, they'd be like, I'm not a skier like these guys, me and my kids, we just do green circles, blue squares. We like Bristol. We like Swain. We like our small mountains. Um, so I'm not that pretentious skier. So my goal is one of the most frustrating things I had as a skier over the years, uh, and as I just mentioned on the podcast, uh, my son and I skied a lot, President's Day week. We, I'd always try to find some videos and everything um, before I went to a ski mountain. So I'd go to the ski mountain websites uh, or YouTube, but that was a little bit young then, um, to try and find videos of the mountains that I was going to to learn about it. My friend my friend Ray and I, uh, my cousin Jason Northrup, Ray Laner, shout out to them, my son. We actually would laminate the ski maps of every mountain we'd go to, have it in it 
uh, on our peep on our person, so we would check them on the lifts or the gondolas where we were at, because um, our goal was always to do every run at every mountain. We knew we wouldn't go to mountains multiple times, so we wanted to get a good feel of the whole mountain. Uh, and then when we found ter- uh, terrain that we liked or conditions that were really ideal at that moment, we took advantage with a couple extra runs. Um, so it was always frustrating me that I couldn't find uh, videos to match that. Or I'd go to a ski mountain and be like, hey, I saw this cool takeoff that my, my son and I want to find. And we think it's on this trail. Do you know where it is? And they'd be like, oh, we're not sure. Maybe go ask that person. So so what I decided to do this year, uh, now that I had the time and the finances um, and, and finally now the wisdom, that I want to make my YouTube channel come to life for people. So Brian Lane Ski Videos, uh, it's on YouTube. Um, only 62 videos so far since last February. But the idea is I want to make trail maps come to life for people. So I'm going to tape the runs for you top to bottom, kind of see what lifts you get off of to go down the run. You're going to see if it's a green circle, blue square, or a black diamond or a double black diamond. You're going to see what runs are coming in and out of them. Uh, make it very simple for you with some music. You can make it as fast or slow as you want. So that way it takes away that. So this is not me jumping off cliffs or my friends. Uh, this is us like teaching the mountain, but also I'm an incessant talker, as everybody can tell. So I interview people. As soon as I get on a lift with someone, I want to learn about them, their person, why they're there. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm finding locals at these mountains um, and interviewing them either with a voice or video and compiling that for everybody so they can learn a little bit about that mountain before you get there. So Whiteface is one of the mountains in Gore this winter and Vermont. I'm going to be spending a week or two in Vermont, um, adding footage to those mountains to help you see if you want to go hit those mountains. Um, this is a passion of mine. It always has been to me. I believe, um, I'm also a snowboarder. We haven't talked about that at all. So I've actually been a snowboarder for 15 years, skier since sixth grade, so sixth grade, I skied once in ski club at Mother of Sorrows in Rochester, New York. Uh, once in seventh grade, once in eighth grade. And then freshman year, I had a, a mentor who is now passed, but um, he was a national journalist. His name was Rick Woodson. His son, Michael, was a good friend of mine freshman year. And the two of them ignited my passion for skiing. So I believe that being on skis is the closest thing to being in the afterlife. Um when I'm going to have my just my soul without my physical person on this planet, I believe I'll be floating over this planet and I could be anywhere I want, when I want, impact anybody's lives. That's how I believe the afterlife is. And I believe when I'm on skis, it's the closest thing to that. Traveling at a good rate of speed, safely, um, where I know I can control the conditions and, and I wear a helmet, uh, very safe as far as that goes. Um, but that is the closest thing to me as absolutely being in church. So outdoors in the woods, fish concerts, skiing, those are, those are my church, everybody. Um, but I do want to get a little bit into our fact fiction and the jury is still out. So first of all, Justin, as we try to get to know, know you a little better, what's your history? Are you a skier or snowboarder at all? Um, I, I used to consider myself a snowboarder, but it's been at least 15 years since I've been out there, sadly. Um, so how many years did you snowboard? How old were you? Tell a little bit about your back. back oh, I used that. to do like a ski club thing as well. Go to like Bristol or Swain once a week. And, um, that was probably when I was like 12, maybe 11 or 12 and did that for, I don't know, maybe five, six years. And then did like some some snowboarding in college or high school and college um, and then just fell off I started breaking too many bones skateboarding and gave it all up oh so you were a skateboarder as well yeah primarily skater so you were a skateboarder before snowboarding so did that help you learn 
You know, I don't the carryover. Think so I mean, I, it, it. I think it gave me like the passion for it, um, but I, I don't. I didn't like see any similarities. To be honest, it was a different, uh, you know, different muscle memory. No, that's good. That's good because that makes me feel better because I feel like uh, I'm above average snowboarder now and I learned from wakeboarding, I believe, helped me more. Ah. And if I sit on a um, skateboard any size, um, I can't, for whatever reason, I, I'm not good at all. Like horrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely two different animals. Interesting. That's good to know. So that makes me feel a ton better about me and my lack of ability to skateboard. Nice. Um, all right. So interesting. So we are going to get you out snowboarding again, by the way, because yeah. we got to get you out. I'm so psyched. I asked you this. Um, so do you know much about like, uh, Adirondacks and, or first of all, Bristol, did you know this Bristol mountain for, for those of you who don't know is the most vertical between Gore mountain and the Rockies. There is not another mountain in between, um, that has 1200 feet of vertical or more mm. in the whole country. That's a pretty big deal. Like, so Bristol's actually viewed as being one of the best uh, race mountains in New York State. Um, Whiteface oh, wow. obviously is number one, but Bristol um, Comet, to, Comet to lower rocket outer orbit is considered one of the best race trails um, in New York. Oh, nice. Yeah, nobody realized that. But 1,200 vertical feet. Um, so Gore, I believe, is like 2,000, 2,200. And then you go out west and, you know, you get that or more. But 1,200 is actually, we're pretty spoiled to have that in our backyard. And for you to learn there, you're actually learning on a better mountain than most people Right. I learned on. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, because the pitch of Bristol is very good as well. So they do have cruisers at Bristol. There's some good family trails. There's five or six good cruising trails. Um, but then actually the steeper part of Bristol is, as far as pitch goes, if you could ski Bristol top to bottom every run, you could pretty much go to Whiteface, Gore, any big mountain in Vermont. Right on. Yeah. So the history of the... I, I love skiing, the history. Um, so did you... So what do you know about the history of skiing in the, so first of all, skiing history, I don't even want to get into it because uh, people have been skiing since they've been alive, uh, you know, since we've been in the mountains, people have developed some kind of boards to put on skis. They found them in Russia, uh, old skis. So it, it's been around forever. The minute there's been snow, we've created as human beings something to travel on it. Um, but in the Adirondacks, it's an it's a interesting story. Do you, and have you heard any of the history of the Adirondack skiing? I have not. Um, other than what um, Aaron was talking about. Yeah, so so we heard a little bit the 1932 games, 1980 games. Um, but it really originally started really crazy. So um, I think the story's great. So my opinion is if anybody is going to uh, – in New York State, if they do the smaller mountains, the Blairs, the Hunters, the Bristols, the Swains, the Kissing Bridges, all the smaller mountains, and you want to try a bigger mountain, I always recommend the first place to go is Gore Mountain. And I didn't want to tie up – Aaron with this because he's the Whiteface guy, but Gore and Whiteface are affiliated. So if you have a season pass or you get a pass at Gore, so let's say you even go to Gore and you buy a pass for five days, a five-day pass, you can use that pass at Blair, Gore, or Whiteface any day. That first day you buy the pass, you have to use the pass at that mountain, but then you can use all three. So that's the affiliation with an order in New York State. Um, but I would recommend always people go to Gore first because Gore is so rich with the history of the Adirondacks. And some of this information I'm going to say, actually, you could learn by reading plaques at Gore at the um, Visitor Center uh, at the, and the Base Lodge, uh, in addition to up at the Saddle Lodge. Uh, and um, in the gondolas. So in the gondolas, they have history of the Adirondacks and skiing, little panels in every gondola. So there's always some information to learn every time you get in a gondola. I love it. it to me, it's that's why I love Gore so much. But Gore is huge. Uh, many, many trails, like 31 glades, good mix. Um, 
So that's why I say Gore is a great place to learn the history, see the history. But there used to be ski trains that used to come up from the southern part of the state to the Adirondacks for skiing. Did you know that, Justin? Did not. All right. So originally, um, skiing in the Adirondacks began when Herman Jackrabbit Johansson, and there's trails up there called Jackrabbit still in his honor, uh, introduced Nordic skiing to the park. Credited with bringing skiing to the Americas from the native Norway, initially moving to Quebec before progressively moving southward into the Northeast United States and the Adirondacks. Uh, Jackrabbit and his initial early 1920s technology lacked the ability to readily summit and then undeveloped terrain, which we now consider typical ski areas. It wasn't long before adventurers like himself began being bringing skis on their excursion and skiing downhill. So they would hike up, find swaths of basically the slides that are a white face and try and ski down. Uh, they utilize the same form and style of skiing and binding as crunch country skiers uh, with a free heel attached only at the toe, a style known as telemark skiing now. Uh, so I don't know if you've seen that before, Justin. Have you seen guys that kind of go down on their knees when they're on the... So. Uh, it's I, been a while though. Yeah. So what, what you do is telemarking is a little different. So it's like a heavy duty boot, like a ski boot. Um, and then there's a good grip on your heel, um, a little bit better than you would on a cross country skill. So you can actually like hold position while you're doing it, but then you actually have the free wheeling. So you're using your knees and you're kind of bending as you go down the mountain. So that's how they the originally, um, it was basically telemark skiing is how they first did skiing in the Adirondacks. Hmm. All right. Really cool. Um, and then over the years, they ended up having a train. And the ski train, I believe it came from Albany uh, and then came all the way up to the Adirondacks. So people would come up on trains in the 20s and 30s. Um, they'd be all dressed in their wood. And there's there's pictures of this all over Gore and the Adirondacks. It's phenomenal. Nice. Um, all the wood coats. Um, and they would have, they'd be leather boots, leather straps, and heavy wood skis. And the runs would be basically like three-foot wild trails in the woods. So people would kind of line the side of the woods. Um, there was a, a chair. The, eventually, they had a um, a T-bar that they made with an old engine. Um, and we're going to get into this more next time. But basically, um, it was you could break your leg at any minute. The turns, it was crazy. Oh, I'm sure. Like, uh, it's unbelievable what they, people would do for an adrenaline rush back in the day. And what they continue to do for an <laughs> adrenaline rush. Oh, man. Would you ever do an 80-foot takeoff on a mountain? No, I don't think so. I, you know, I see these guys on the X Games and all this, and I just, I just can't relate. Um, you know, I feel like I could do 30, 40, 50 per foot kickers if I know the speed, because mm-hmm. really, people don't realize this. If you have the right speed going into jumps, the landing area is built so you really can land with like you don't feel any impact when you land right. Right, smooth, smooth, and just no, it's continuous. It's, yeah, exactly. Like there's as long as you you basically use your feet and your knees as um, a piston. Mm-hmm. So that's how skiing works when you're the best. Like, or I'm sorry, not when you're the best. That's when you are your best self as a skier. Your legs are like a piston, so you can absorb anything that's happening underneath you, and you keep your body in a nice center of gravity. Sure, uh, over your skis. Um, but oh man, I'm going off on so many tangents right now, Justin. <laughs> I can't even tell you. All right, one last thing before we wrap this episode up is I want to talk about a little bit. He mentioned how Whiteface was named and why, and I love this mountain so much that I'm going to get into a little, how did Whiteface get its name? What he said was was basically right, um, but uh, I just I just want to uh, say on the Whiteface website, which everybody should go to, plan trips, go up there. Um, original Native American names are preserved by scholars in certain works such as William A. Baucamp's 
Aboriginal Place Names of New York, published in 1907 as Bulletin 108 of the New York State Museum. According to him, the Algonquin name for the mountain was Wahupertini. <laughs> that is not even close to how it's pronounced, I'm sure. Um, it goes upward or Wopum. It is white. Uh, Mohawk Indian name for the mountain was Whitehead. I'm not going to say the Indian name because I'll kill it. Uh, with reference to the bare white rock near its peak. So it's definitely been because of the scarring on the mountain and the fact that that granite looks white is how it's got its name Whiteface. The name is also said to come from an 1804 landslide, which exposed a glare of bare whitish gray rock, uh, Whiteface anthracite, extending from the summit to partway down from the mountain on its eastern side. Uh, frozen cloud water called rime ice impacts the mountain from 3,800 feet up and occurs 10 months out of the year. Uh, so that rime ice is what we were talking about in the slide. So if you go to Whiteface uh, at any time when there's snow there, you'll see this ice on the slides. It's, it's yellowish in color, and, and they call that rime ice. Snow is also common. Both rime ice and snow lend a white heat or white face appearance to the mountain as well. At one time, the High Falls Gorge pamphlet and many souvenirs in the area gift shops featured a Native American legend. It was entitled White Face Mountain, the Land of Romance. And there's an ex expert excerpt on it. Um, but that's some more information about, in general, about Whiteface. Um, I hope this episode entertained everybody as much as it did me. Uh, Justin, I hope you learned a little bit about skiing. And maybe now you're going to go get your snowboard tuned up, maybe? It's, it's definitely been in the thoughts, for sure. So it looks like you are going to be... Now, to Stina, your wife, so so he, his wife is great. A little ball of energy. Is she a skier snowboarder by any chance? She does not want anything to do with the outdoors during the winter. Oh. I've tried. I've tried. It's sad. That's okay. She just hates the cold, and she uh, she doesn't see any fun in even trying the skis. But I, I've been working on it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So, I'm, so I'm, one last plug for skiing locally here. Um, if anybody here in Rochester, New York is interested in skiing. I, I recommend Bristol or Swain, uh, a Brantling. Brantling's another very small mountain tea bar. Great for families. You can go, the mom and dad can have hot chocolate, watch the kids, never lose sight of them. Brantling Mountain, a uh, very small mountain where actually Diane Roth, Steinroffer, Stein I hope I'm saying the name right, but a professional skier actually came out of Brantling Mountain, but Brantling, Swain, or Bristol to teach your kids how to ski. Um, but Swain right now, I really love the new program they've modeled. Um, so I'm going to put an extra plug out for Swain Resort here in Rochester. It's just outside of Dansville. Um, what their program is that they set up last year is you kind of pay a one-time hourly fee, um, which is the standard rates of pretty much any other mountain around. And then that fee kind of lowers as the hours go on, but your kids can progress. So you're not stuck in one lesson with 10 kids. Everybody's doing the same thing. Um, it's very hands-on and they'll move the kids through. So basically they have one section of the mountain where they just have a bunch of instructors around. Um, and as you progress, they're just there. Um, if you want to have the instructor go with you, obviously you can teach you techniques or have little groups, but there's a lot of flexibility as far as how your ability level, they are there to grow with you. It's not like a Bristol uh, where you go and you have an hour lesson with 10 people and you go through the lesson, um, which, which there is a lot of value to, but I just really like this new intuitive program at Swain. So that's the last plug of the day. I'm done talking about skiing, even though I am so excited. I hope this is the best snow winter ever for the Northeast. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. Again, cannabis, healthy in your life. Don't smoke blunts. Hemp paper, if you got to do paper, isolate. Smoke it through water. Reduce the impact on your body. Get off the couch and let's have some fun, everybody, because we're going to have a big ski season, ski and snowboarding.
Justin, thank you for all your help. This is the Athletic Podcast. Thank you for joining me, everybody. And have a great day.